Welcome to the 8th News Show, The Other Side of the Lies. We're coming to you from the Bogan Media Mobile Studios, airing weekly as a podcast on your favourite app. If you'd like to know more, you can find us at the8newsshow.podbean.com. Well, day, guys. It's uh, Jezza, Andrew, Rosie and Scotty live from Supreme Court Gardens. Uh, was it Saturday the 19th? 19th, yes. And it's midday and everybody's starting to turn up. We've got quite a large crowd and mm-hmm. some very interesting guests. So, hi Rosie, how are you doing? Oh, good, thanks Jezza. How are you doing? <laughs> Andrew, how are you going, mate? I'm great, mate. All ready for a big day. Um, getting ready to do the march, actually. Uh, Scotty, how are you? you? Yeah, I'm f- this is great. Uh, plenty of people are here today and looking forward to kicking ass and taking names. Freedom is coming. Yes. Scotty, are you doing the march today? Definitely doing the march today. It's going to be another good one, I imagine. And uh, look, usually there's usually these things, there's thousands of people gathering up. And uh, look, I'm not sure exactly what the route is today, but we're going to be marching toward freedom. We're marching towards freedom. Um, marching. Marching. Maybe, maybe a bit closer than we think. Hopefully mm-hmm. uh, we'll have the, the these mandates and... All that stuff gone in the next two, three, four weeks. Who knows? There's a bit of hope in the, in the horizon. Yes, um, and uh, I've just had a quick run around outside. I think we must at least have nearly 5,000 here in the park already. Uh, so it's shaping up to be a good one. And most people turn up right on time. So the crowd should just continue to grow. Um, so what's, um, what's happening today? It's our very, very first podcast for the 8 News Show. Uh, and we're um, going to probably get we've a got whole lot lots wrong. to talk about. Yes. So we've got a uh, very interesting Rosie has a lot, a lot to say. A lot of other guests that are coming on as well with various bits of information. We have some other people that have adverse reactions to the, as well. So we're not just all about uh, the COVID and all the rest of it. We're going to talk about everything that's going on in the world. And we've called Channel Eight News. Because, or the 8 News Show, because we're in between the lies. We want to be in between Channel 7 and Channel 9. And someone just said to me outside, uh, what about Channel 10? And I went, who? <laughs> so, you know, I mean, we've got things like uh, in Ukraine, they uh, Channel 7, uh, someone sent me a clip the other day, <coughs> excuse me, sent me a clip last week of the a video game, and they're claiming that as a victory for Ukraine. It was actually footage of a video game. So there's some quite interesting facts we need to get out there. and That's really strange, isn't yeah, it? It is strange. Oh, I wouldn't say it was strange. It was normal for the mainstream media. Yes. It's, a completely, it's a dying industry, completely fabricated, a load of... Uh, are we allowed to swear on here? Oh, I think we're allowed to swear. A complete, complete bullshit, really, isn't yeah. it, the mainstream media? Well, I mean, look at all these rallies that we have here in Perth. You know, you, One time we had a rally here, 45,000 people, and there's hardly any media shows up. They just don't show up. And they're just around right around the corner. Well, I played devil's advocate with that one. I did witness quite a f- uh, fair bit of abuse at uh, Jeff Parry and a few others. I mean, and it's warranted. I, I mean, not that oh, I condone, Jeff. not that I condone violence or abuse or anything. But at the same time, you know, I can understand why people are irate at people like him for creating. Uh, they're wrecking our lives. It's that simple. So when someone's uh, affecting your life in such a negative manner that you can't eat and feed your family. Because someone's just, like Jeff Parry, he comes to work, tell lies, goes home, and he's got a great life. 
Mm. Yeah. See, one of the things that they've realised is that the people that are in charge and the people who really love the system are the ones who've never been affected by it. They yes. have never, ever had any consequences for the mandates. Their work was accommodating for them working from home. Some of them got pay rises. Yes. You know, meanwhile, you know, the ordinary people stuck at home, can't work, going broke. It's, you know. And basically have a choice between, like I did, have the jab and potentially die, or luckily for me I have still have a little bit of income, but a lot of people don't have that. Yeah. And I can speak to Rosie's point, actually, because I ended up um, just recently doing an interview with the print floor workers from uh, the West Australian, and they told me directly, we, we might get into that a little bit later on, but uh, I know for a fact that in, during the COVID pandemic, uh, all the executives of um, Seven West Media got massive pay rises and uh, all the workers have had their uh, benefits slashed, which is why the print, printing workers are now have been locked out of their jobs or locked out of the building for the last 40 days. That's insane. All, for, all from a virus that has a 1% mortality rate. I'm not making this stuff up. I have the facts right in front is of me. Is it less than 1%? That's, sorry, I'll go with 1% just to make yeah, it a little yeah. bit simpler because it's as of uh, I've got my facts from uh, 31st of January 2022, so I'll just run with that. Mm. And then they've even admitted on the government website, I have the figures here, 8.6% of those deaths are actually from COVID. So that's actually a mortality rate of 0.086%. So, you know, you, you have more chance of dying from dementia than you do from, from the COVID. So the hysteria is well, very real. dementia is actually one of the comorbidities that will kill you quickest. So Yeah, yeah. When, if you catch COVID and you've got dementia, then you're... Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Scotty's just indicating to us all where the event's about to kick off, mate. I'm going to get the camera out there and start doing some recording. I will so talk to you soon, Scotty mate. from we Sc we Scorpion Media, everybody. We'll be back. Follow Scotty on YouTube and Rumble. Yep. I'm trying it. to steer away from YouTube, to be honest. We uh, keep getting banned because nobody likes us. Uh, <laughs> nobody likes the truth. People in, that in power don't like the truth. So let's get onto Rumble or boganmedia.com.au. Yep. And follow the Bellman Report on YouTube and Rumble. Yep. And uh, we'll be back, everybody. Right, talk to you soon. Thank you. Yeah, catch you soon. Alec and uh, just witnessed a heap of trucks go past which was fairly fantastic and we stirred the whole crowd up which was really good. Alec, what do you reckon mate? Um, it was really good. Pretty stirring wasn't it? We had, uh, I don't know, there was 12, 13, 14, maybe 15 trucks <coughs> and the whole crowd went berserk because that's what we need. We need some support from our truckies. We need a lot more support from our truckies. You're the, you're the backbone of Australia.
you all know you're the backbone of Australia. It's getting harder and harder the longer you lay down. It's getting harder and harder for you guys to stand up. So we have thousands upon thousands of people down here today. There are a lot of people at home sick. They don't want to. They think they're doing the right thing. Come on down. We Every rally, come on down. No matter how you feel, we need you and we need you today. The more people I speak to, the more I awake, uh, awake, I suppose you'd say, to the fact that you're not alone. There are so many people, so I'm from Mundaring Shire, there are so many people I met at the Mundaring Council meeting here about two weeks ago, and they were totally unaware of the amount of people like-minded. So you need to talk to your neighbour, talk to everybody and anybody you can, you're not in this alone. There's no need to sit at home worrying that you're in this alone because you are not. We'll go back and try and get some footage of the trucks. Alec? Okay. My turn. I'm sick right now and I'm taking with my dad and my brother. Good job, mate. Okay, guys, just got Andrew. He's up on the march with the, uh, what, probably 4,000, 5,000 people? Probably a bit more. What do you reckon, Andrew? Mate, there's definitely at least 5,000, possibly more. We're going to have to get um, some drone shots to see how that all goes. Um, but, mate, um, it's an incredible feeling out here. We're currently on the Murray Street Mall. Um, I'm about midway in the crowd. Uh, quite a few onlookers in the mall. Every single one of them wearing a mask, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> Mate, uh, I've just been speaking to a load of the, the Patriots walking with me here, um, and uh, everyone agrees the energy is amazing. Yeah, those trucks going past were quite good, weren't they? They uh, cheered the crowd up and got the crowd all revved up. They sure did, mate. Um, I was uh, interviewing Jacob, uh, the uh, the uh, performer from earlier on today, at the time, and uh, they got shut down real quick when the truck arrived. Yeah, right. So... Just want to elaborate on how many people you think there is. I mean, I, I didn't see the crowd leave, so I was in here and getting the drone ready. Apparently, I'm not allowed to fly it, so there's another guy here that's got a licence to do it, so he's doing it for me. Bit of footage right. there that we'll have later of the trucks. It'll be fantastic. Mate, uh, yeah, look, I, uh, I don't want to be accused of saying the wrong thing, but I, I mean, based on past events, um, and we're in the mall now, so right now I'm at one end of Murray Street, looking down to the other end and the entire mall is packed. Yeah, so, right. Um, well, that's pretty good. Let's put, let's put a target on of about 40,000. Oh, you reckon that many? That's good. That's great. Yeah. So, which way are you coming place back place down? Place. Are you coming back down Riverside Driveway? Uh, mate, I believe we're about to turn back down Barrick Street and head um, straight back down to Springport Gardens. Okay. But All I right. really don't know. Well, I'll see you when you get back, mate, and we'll have a chat. Lovely, mate. Thank you. Thank you.
Okay, and we're back. Um, so um, I'm joined now by um, Dr. Mark Lofts, reti- retired Dr. Mark Lofts. Uh, that's correct. Yes. yes, fantastic. And Rosie's here with us again, I'm and back. Jezza. And, hey guys. Of, and of course, I'm Andrew. Um, I'd just like to start with a, a quick chat, Mark, about um, a really interesting video that I saw just a couple of days ago now, um, and I'd love to get your feedback on it. Uh, a lady in this video took a, a, a large packet of Nurofen and dissolved it in water, and then um, once the, all of the pills, the I think there was about 24 pills went into it, she mixed it up and allowed it to completely dissolve, and then brought a magnet up to the, the side of the glass. And amazingly, there was a whole lot of graphite oxide, graphene oxide that came out of it. And it turns out that the little inscriptions that are on these pills, the black, it's not black ink, it's actually the graphene oxide, I believe. Is that true? I have, I have heard that, but first I should point out that as a doctor, we don't learn pharmacology. Pharmacology is the subject where they actually put drugs and medicines together, and that includes vaccines. So as doctors, we're just told that these things exist, but most doctors don't go into the question of the manufacture of drugs. It is sometimes relevant, like valproate, epilim, the uh, anti-epileptic medication, was actually used as a dissolving agent for dilantin, phenytoin, when uh, that was used as an oral, when that was used as a drug, and when they injected it, it treated the seizures. But when they gave the people the oral tablets, they didn't. Then they finally came to realise it was a diluent, the uh, valproate, which mixed the uh, water and the oily dilantin together, which was actually treating the seizures. So they do put a whole lot of things in uh, tablets that we don't know about. So say you've got a tablet of nurofen, the capsule is usually some sort of uh, sugar or starchy mm. preparation, but what they have on the ink, that does surprise me that it should be attractive to a magnet. But it may be an iron compound, may not be graphene oxide. And so I don't know, I don't want to be too paranoid there. Yes. But I do think it needs to have chemical analysis to find out. The first thing you do is you take a neurofin tablet and you get it analysed by spectral analysis. If it was iron, the iron will give a particular uh, spectral pattern which is even more diagnostic than a fingerprint but if it's something that can be broken down like this graphene oxide it would need other forms of chemical analysis to find what it was so my first choice would be to put it in a spectral analyzer and look for iron so where can we get that done Uh, I don't know. I think perhaps you could take it to the universities. You could put the samples together, perhaps to make a double blind for the universities, take a little bit of uh, uh, black ash from a fire and take some of the neurofin tablets and put it together and ask a friend you might know in the science laboratory if they could test it and label them ABC and things so it's double blind trial. I think scientists would like that because spectral analysis is fairly cheap. So even if you had to pay for it, I couldn't imagine costing more than a couple of hundred dollars and probably a lot less. Perhaps that's something we need to look out for or look into, I should say. I think so, because uh, there's a lot of paranoid stuff around. Because remember that the mainstream media fuels fake conspiracy theories. And that's one of of the biggest things I'm finding now as a, well, not nowhere near as educated as you guys. I've just come along and spent, hang on a minute, and now I'm starting to do a lot of research on stuff that I would never have learned over my lifetime. In the last few weeks, my head has just exploded with information from both sides. I'm finding a lot of disinformation. So That's right. we, it's hard for someone like me that doesn't have the, back, <clears throat> the background that you have to know where to go to look for this stuff. So that's a hard 
thing for me to do. That's right. It's a very hard thing. I mean, there's so many uh, fake conspiracies around. I mean, take 9-11, for example. When 9-11 occurred, I accepted that the planes had uh, crashed into the towers, but I was puzzled at Building 7 falling down later. Mm. And later people worked it out and realised that that was a controlled definition, uh, a controlled demolition. So they knew that this thing was coming and, and they were preparing. And, of course, I'd just love to throw something in there on that. Um, there were news reporters announcing that Building 7 had dropped and the building was literally in the background of the open window that they were standing in front of, which is quite amazing. <laughs> yes. Oh, look, I remember watching that as it was unfolding and mm. it was like, none of this makes sense. And when I saw the first tower go down on there, that looks amazingly like a demolition. Mm-hmm. Oh. And, I mean, for me to, to pick that up, Back then, it just looked like, uh, and I think we'd watched um, some of the old casinos being taken down in Vegas like a couple of weeks before. Ah. And then when the tower, the first tower went down, that's what it looked like, like one of those controlled demolitions well, that they did in Vegas. Someone that's been in demolition, mm. you know full well that they are designed to just collapse on themselves. So when you see one that hasn't gone so well, you'll see that it goes all skew and all sorts of things go wrong. So if you've got a plane into a building, I don't know, I mean, I wasn't there, I can't, yeah, but when a plane goes into a building, you wouldn't think that that would be a real even um, sort of explosion enough for it to happen just to collapse on it to itself straight down. That's mm, right. That's it, right. Is, it is difficult, of course, because the North and South Tower are of equal size, but the one that hit the uh, North Tower hit higher up than the one that hit the South Tower. And because the South Tower was hit further further down in the tower, it was more severely damaged, so it fell first. And this is where we're going now with what we're learning about with all the COVID stuff is we're questioning everything so that's right i'm getting a lot of people say you you're a bit of a conspiracy nut jezza and i'm like well not really when I'm, what we've been saying for the last 18 months you have to have your fourth jab shortly i think mark's going to mandate it very soon that mm, you have to have your fourth right. jab so there's a lot of truth coming out and there's all this evidence out there that so many different people haven't so many people are ignoring the facts that's right. And the fact that you're jabbing little children. Children and adolescents do not die from the flu. They do not die from COVID. So why the hell are you jabbing anybody under 20 years of age? Or indeed anybody under 60 or 70 years of well, age? Well, there's the 15 to 24-year-olds that are suffering the most. So That's right. Yeah. And not only, not only adverse reactions, you'll find that the studies and government uh, figures state that the 15 mm. to 24-year-olds, uh, what did I say? It was They, they were 0.1% of a percent up in the rise from the previous year in suicides. Now, that doesn't seem like a lot, but when you consider the previous year was a 6% a six higher, so there's a 6% mm. drop over the year, but the 15 to 24-year-olds have gone up 0.1% of a percent. That is a significant... Uh, amount. That's mm. right, absolutely significant because what sort of a life they had. They're told to wear masks, they can't meet friends. I mean, guy meets a pretty girl, doesn't know, doesn't know whether she looks good at all because she's behind a mask and she thinks the same of the guy and it's oh, isolating it. people. And it's worse even for adolescents and small kids. They um, need to be able to see people's faces. My thing, and this triggers me every time, we remember back in the good old days, like, you know, two years ago. <laughs> That if you went into a bank with your face covered, mm-hmm. you right. would be in big trouble. That's right. Yes. And if you went and had a test when you were perfectly well, you're a hypochondriac. That's right. So <laughs> we really are 
in Alice in Wonderland. Um, up is down, down is up. Um, you know, mm. give me some more of that stuff to make me shrink because, you know. But, Rosie, if you were walked into a bank with a motor, motorcycle helmet on, you'd be um, – they'd call the police. Mm. There were uh, signs up in front of banks saying mm. you do not enter with a mask on. Yeah. It's crazy. So, mm. so with that as well, I, I showed Rosie before, I've got a letter from my uh, 12-year-old daughter's school and it actually says in there – um, you may find us, you might find, sorry, I'll start again. You may find keeping up with changes confusing, frustrating, and some things downright dumb. Now, that's from the school. Yeah, so the school's writing to me, telling, the, telling me what they're doing to our children is dumb. Mm. That's worrying, isn't it? Very worrying. I mean, uh, it's destroying the lives of the children. They're constantly obsessed with masks. And I don't know if they're told to wear masks when they go to the gym and doing other exercises, but it's simply totally stupid because the kids take their masks off to eat lunch and uh, they can just see for themselves how stupid it is and they can see how dirty their masks get by the end of the day. Well, if, the whole thing's a bad, bad joke. Have you heard of a doctor called uh, Dr. Marguerite Risson? Um, I've heard she's a neuro, neuro, neuro uh, everything. She's... Neurosurgeon, yeah. um, she has. I'll, we'll talk on that in a minute. But she's actually wrote it, <clears throat> my voice goes every time I get on here. She wrote some very good um, facts, basically saying about all the masks. Because once the mask mandates came out, I started, and I think I've got 150 studies on the effects of masks from from um, eating disorders, yeah. um, uh, and was it anxiety, all sorts of different things that people are they're dying from. That's right. So. The government's, and that's another thing as well, the government's protecting us. I'm just going to get onto the smoking side of things. Mm. If they were out to protect us, wouldn't they stop the smoking? Well, that's right. I mean, smoking does cause damage, but if people want to smoke, it is their right, but it's not their right to pollute the air that other people have to breathe. But why can't we have our choice to say, no, we don't want to take this jab? That's right. It's exactly, that's exactly the point, that many of us don't want the jab because we know it is going to do us great damage. So is smoking good for you, Doc? No, I can't see even so, anyway. It's so good. where I'm going with that is that everybody that smokes know, knows full well that, and the government knows full well that that is going to kill you. Yes, it'll cause real problems yep. for your health. So by me having the jab, I may or may not die. And there's a my doctor told me because I had an issue called lipemia. Right. Right. So you don't have it. Yeah, so mm. I'm not to have it. So... The government's for, trying to force me to have it. Why would that be against medical uh, medical advice? Well, that's right. That's what it's really about. Uh, I'd just like to interrupt for a second. We're about to have a convoy of trucks come past. Um, so it's going to be quite a lot of noise. People are running out of the crowd, rushing over the side of the road to see this. Uh, that's we, quite fantastic, actually. It's, yeah, it's good to see. The truckies turn up. Well done, truckies of West Australia. That one that just went past was the one that I rode up in front of um, during the last drive up through the middle of the city. It was quite a lot of fun. Um, I hope there's go. a few more next week. Anybody listen to this, I hope there's a few more trucks. I'll be bringing mine with the flags waving, so mm. I hope there's a few more. So, um, look, there's another thing that I'd like to raise um, about children and masks, and even actually adults and masks. Um, if anyone's, uh, for anyone who's read or seen the movie 1984, that right there is literally teaching us all double think because mm. um, a mask will protect you while you're walking around in the open air, but as soon as you sit down to eat amongst a crowd of other people, you need to take it off and that's okay. Now, is that the true definition of double think or not? Well, that's one of the closest you could get because uh, walking in the street, you're more distant from other people. 
And whereas when you take your mask off and you start to eat, I mean, you can always splash a bit of saliva and food onto other people. And uh, that's right, it's exactly double think. I mean, they're telling you to wear masks when things are relatively safe and telling you, well, you have to take it off to eat. But I can remember Dan Andrews saying that when he had the uh, mask mandates there, that people want to drink beer, they should drink it through their mask. Yeah. I suppose it's a sort of final filter, but the real issue is that he's laughing at you. It's like calling these rapid antigen tests rat tests. They're basically laughing at so, you and getting you to call. Oh, oh, look, you know what? The first time I heard it called a rat test. Mm. Lab I, rats is what we are. We're lab I, rats. That's right. We're rats. Yeah, that is a disgusting. So just back on the mask thing. So one of the studies that I read was uh, after 20 minutes or so, you saturate that mask. That's right, so, especially on a humid day. You have all bits of saliva yeah. and muck in it. You grow all sorts of bacteria off so it. So one of the – and one, another study similar, they had a control group go into a room and they measured the particle, billions of particles in the air of bacteria. And then – Here come the trucks again. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. awesome, isn't it? So – and we'll just wait for that truck to go past. Yep. They're all coming back through. Live going, from Supreme Court Gardens. We're live, yes, yeah. we are, yes. So, uh, and the other group went into the, another similar room and had mm. masks on. The, the outcome was no different. The, That's right. Because what they're saying is, and it's anything to do with the point of least resistance, so your mask doesn't stop the germs from bacteria from coming out. It just redirects it. So instead of That's going right. straight forward, go sideways. The person next to you. And there's studies on that back to 1980. That's right. And you can see it by people who are breathing smoke or breathing through their uh, vapes and then they breathe out and it goes basically sideways. Well, even in uh, Sweden, since 2011, the anaesthetists don't wear masks anymore. Did you know that? That's right. And that's very important to say. I can remember when I was a young doctor, I was training at Newcastle Hospital in New South Wales. It was 1978. Doctors did not wear masks in surgery. It was only proven the next year that masks do protect uh, patients during surgery because if you're a, a surgeon, you're trying to do something difficult, you can get a bit of saliva fall out, unfortunately, into the patient's wound, and they were able to find that masks do help there. So they're useful in surgery and those assisting the surgery, but for the anaesthetist, who's at the other end of the patient, at the head end, normally they don't need to wear masks, quite correct. Um, I saw the cutest Twitter um, comment from a surgeon who said, for everybody who walks around wearing their masks all the time, the reason surgeons wear it is to stop the snot and the That's spit right. exactly. from getting into the wound. Yeah. So stop wearing your mask. mask. It doesn't help. So just on that, the Dr. Marguerite uh, Grease Brisson, her name is, um, she's wrote, the rebreathing of our exhaled hair will without a doubt create oxygen deficiency and a flooding of carbon dioxide. We know that the human brain is very sensitive to oxygen deprivation. There are nerve cells, for example, in the hippocampus. It can't, it can't be longer than three minutes without oxygen. They can't survive. The acute warning symptoms are headaches, drowsiness, dizziness, issues in concentration, which I seem to have a lot of, slowing down of the reaction time, reactions of the cognitive system. So I'm seeing a lot more of people saying that, that they've got headaches. That's mainly, right, so, you do. Yeah. And I can remember when we were medical students in my second year, they get us to test some of these things and they put a rebreathing apparatus on a couple of us, including me, in which we were given plenty of oxygen, but we were forced to rebreathe carbon dioxide. And after a free breath, you start breathing more deeply, trying to breathe the CO2 out. And you really get quite anxious and distressed. And finally, you just couldn't take it anymore. You just got to pull off and breathe normally. Otherwise, you will 
you'll become, finally, you'd become drowsy and faint. And that's why they test the doctors to demonstrate it to each other. And the people could see that what me and the other medical student demonstrated was not fake, but very real. So, so why would our, our government be wanting us to mask our kids when kids are more susceptible to uh, these, these sort of injuries because they haven't fully developed yet? That's right. There's studies on all this. And, and I'd like to know, as Andrew pointed out last week, I'd like to know... Who are these experts? Who are these ones that are guiding the, the Premier in making these decisions? Because the Chief Health Officer has no, uh, no background for that That's job. That's right. It's like the one in Queensland, Darth Vega. What's her name? Yvette Darth Vega. She, she's a lawyer. She's not a doctor and she's their uh, Chief of Health there. It's like here. It's not the politicians or even their health advisors that uh, have the knowledge. It's fake doctors, people like that at the Doherty Institute in Melbourne and the Australian Health Professionals Regulatory Authority, they're giving instructions that you are not. Doctors, nurses and others are not to badmouth the vaccine. And if you do, you're given one warning and after that you're struck off the register. So what happens if they send many patients in who believe all the BS and the patient has the doctor tell them don't get the vaccine, they go and dob the doctor in. And it's this dobbing culture that's really causing damage in Australia now. Um, there is a group going around in Victoria, I believe. They are educating the doctors that if you give your patient advice that the vaccine is fine and they have a vaccine injury, then your insurance doesn't cover if you get sued. That's and there's right. a lot of scared doctors over in the eastern states now. That's right. Yeah. They're starting to figure out that this is not good. That's right. It's making people really sick. And luckily, the Australian Federation Party has a Dr. Christopher Neal, a cardiologist. I've not met him. And he's helping Peter Harris there to get the message out to people. So we don't want to take just for one political party because they're allied with uh, the Great Australia Party of Rod Colleton. So we're working with other parties who want to get rid of the uh, four donkeys of the apocalypse, the Liberal, the Labor, the Nationals and the Greens, because they want us jabbed and they're basically trying to destroy the next generation by sterilising um, kids. Now that we're talking about the political parties, I also go to meetings now on a Tuesday morning where we're talking to all of the freedom independent parties yeah. and we're trying to coordinate with them all to preference each other yes because that's what labor and liberal are now doing and we have to teach people that you don't do a donkey vote don't mm. cross out your vote um actually do it properly when you write a, a one and a seven do the european ones that are obviously you know it's not a straight line You've actually got the right formation on it, which makes it really hard to change. And you vote all of the independents first. So all of your, your independent parties, your freedom-loving parties come first. come first. And then depending on who the sitting member is, yeah, whether it goes one. Liberal or Labor, and then, you know, Greens is in there somewhere and you always yeah. put, you know... A liberal Labor last. So, so Rosie, you're a lawyer, so how illegal is it? Every time I vote, I always take a pen with me. I don't use their pencils. I can't imagine, and this isn't legal advice. This is just off the top of my head because I hate pencils for elections. Mm. I have a problem with pencils for elections. Yeah. So aren't, aren't, isn't a, a legally binding document, must, you can't do it in pencil, can you? Um, 
Oh, well, I would have cool. thought that you should be able to write it in pen. I'm yeah. not sure what the issue is why they don't give you pens, mm. but um, I Can don't you, do election Sorry to put law. you on the spot with that well, one. <laughs> well, I don't do election law, yeah. so that's a specific mm. um, thing that very few people would be on top of in my humble that's opinion. Right. Uh, my suggestion you know? is to fill it in in pen and go over it with the pencil they give you. So if they fake it, they can't. Well, the, uh, the reason I mentioned that was I have a lot of friends that volunteer every election to do the, the ballots. And last election, I was surprised when they said, I, I didn't realise how it worked. They've got people in there that sit there and if the ballot comes back and they're not sure, they'll preference it. And the worst part about it is the people doing it, if they're Liberal, Labor or even One Name oh or whoever, they'd preference it to themselves, to their of own course. party. Now, we had you've got other people standing over them watching them and they were saying to the union you have to challenge it and take it to someone higher up. Yeah. I didn't know all that took place. So you imagine all the fraud that's going on all over yeah. simply because people think that it's okay to or like the uh, the votes on the gay marriage and stuff. People we heard of and I've we heard of people going and getting the ballots out of people's box and voting yes and sending them in. I heard a lot of that. So yeah. you imagine the people that were just going not that and no one's looking over their shoulder and they would just chuck it as a liberal vote. Who's yeah. going to check that? That's right, they're not. I mean, well, it's, the political yeah. parties do have people there to during the vote count. Mm. I mean, oh, yes. many, many, yeah, but, many yeah, but, years ago I ran for local council and my husband was my scrutineer. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think I lost by very, very few votes and he's mm. like, they invited, you know, would you like to do a recount? And he said, no, I'm, I was pretty sure I was keeping yep. a close eye. Mm. But I was surprised in uh, the la last election, I think it was, Pauline Hanson actually got more votes than the Prime Minister. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And nobody mm. talks about it. Of course yeah. not. No. That's, that's the bit that really annoys me. Mm. Because we have preferences, no one talks the raw figures, and that's I want right. to know the raw figures. Mm. The whole system needs an overhaul, and we need to get rid of this preferential voting system. It just needs to be gone, and that's the end of and, it. And, you know, I, I'm quite keen on the idea... Of you know, a vote is a precious thing. Mm. Don't force people to vote. They will vote whichever way somebody pays them to, or whichever way they're persuaded to. If people are passionate enough, they will think they will about vote. it mm. and they will vote mm. for what they think is best for them. That's I right. might disagree with what they think is best, but mm. that's my problem. When you force people to vote. You're mm. skewing the system. That's and right. And it's not right. Yeah, it you make, should not do that. It makes it look like everybody is supporting the system. And that's only in Australia and New Zealand and former yeah. communist countries. In America, most people don't vote. So everything goes just to a few yeah. people. And in Britain, it's first-past-the-post voting. So if the monster-raving loony party gets most of the votes, it gets in. It's bad luck. Mm. Here, it's like, oh, we've got to make it fair. No, you don't. Fair is first-past-the-post if, you know... The most votes win. I mean, we have people like my old man. He'll go and just get his name ticked off and then screw the paper up. And like right. It just yeah, doesn't care. Right. His name ticked mm, off. So mm. if they actually done a count of how many people were supposed to vote, how many people were enrolled to vote, and then versus how many were actually handed in, there I'd like to see actually, those figures. There were mm. actually um, someone from the Electoral Commission um, a couple of federal elections ago, I think, came out and said, look, we think that it's really, really cute that you're drawing um, sexual organs onto the ballot paper, but you do know that that's an invalid vote. But we saw a lot of them and some of you are really talented. That's mm. interesting. But, oh, that's right. You know, 
Yeah, it's hard to know how to respond to that, I must admit. <laughs> Would <laughs> well, you count them or not? As long as they've got the little ticks in the right place and the numbers. Sorry, I was just checking to make sure that we're still there. I turned to Andrew's off. It was picking up a lot of stuff, a lot of noise. Yes, so, you know, what are we going to do about the election system because it Mm. is so skewed now? That's right. In the next election, we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I suspect the Liberal and Labor will fake the results to get in, but uh, even if they don't, we're in for a very uh, tumultuous time because Judy Weilerman is bound to get in in the Senate, and so it's going to give us some representation here. But uh, we don't know what's going to happen in the other states. But see, that's why the government is not going to keep the pressure on for masks at the moment, because the federal government's afraid of the next election. Although the state government theoretically has a long time to run here, but that should be making the people come down harder on the the, uh, government oppression and taking their anger out on the federal government. But uh, it's hard to know how that will play out here. So we have to think for the future in a time when the government is already declared lockdowns and fake the election so they win and we're going to have a very difficult task ahead. With um, our system, you would think that it would be really hard to fake a win but they managed to do it. They can do it. And it it really Mm. bothers me because it makes me sound like a conspiracy theorist and I love my conspiracy theories but I do them at an intellectual level like and I can hold different conspiracy theories on the same topic and find them interesting Mm. without buying into a single one of them. But what I've seen over the last two years, that's not conspiracy theories. We have seen people proven right. That's right. So many conspiracies have proven correct. That's why the mainstream media has its own interest in conspiracy theories to develop their own. I mean, alien extraterrestrials, of course, the obviously stupid one, but there's a lot more subtle ones as well that they're trying I, to I like the with. one where it's the, it's the double one, where they're saying the next conspiracy theory is about the alien attack, but then they're going to do the alien attack. They're going to fake yeah. it because they're going to do basically War of the Worlds. And I'm sitting back saying... I've done the last two years. I will believe anything crazy at this time. Well, I was a big believer for a long time of the government wouldn't do that to us. The government wouldn't do that. No, the government wouldn't do that. That's right. We all used to think that. We've grown up in the welfare state since before our grandparents were born and we've become accustomed to a benign government. So how do we wake people up? Sorry to cut you off, Doc. But how do we wake people up with when it comes to... Like, we were conspiracy theorists when I, I said, you're going to, the, the jab's going to be mandated, okay? It was mandated. And people were, they didn't care. They went and got their second, That's third. Right. Now that I said the third one's going to be mandated, now I'm telling people that the fourth one's going to be mandated and it actually come true. Now I'm telling people, they're all come, they're, that's all come true. So now mm-hmm. I'm telling you that you're going to have to have, to have two for the next 10 years. Well, we can't, I can't foresee the, the results of that, but that's what I've been told. So how do we wake these people up? To get, to get them to say, listen, enough is enough. We, we, we were told that we, if we had two jabs, we would get our freedoms back. That's right, and it didn't happen. Now, see, what's happening, and the reason that people are still believing it is because of the mainstream media. People like Norman Swan on the ABC and the rubbish we get on the private media. We should not be government funded, by the way. We should be. That's right. And what is really happening is that uh, both the uh, government and the private media are controlled by one group, Group Vanguard and uh, BlackRock, and they own majority shares in the government 
and in the private media. And so basically we have no independent media at all, apart from yourselves and groups like Rumble and Bitchute, and they're basically trying to suppress all independent media. That's the basic problem we have, but we have to look at who's running the scene. And when you look carefully, and you look, people have said the Freemasons, of course, and those people who are very wealthy, but you have to see the cunning way in which they work. Let's take, for example, Israel. This is the most important one. They're coming up for their fifth. Sorry, Easter. just for people like me that weren't that weren't aware of who are the Freemasons. Well, Freemasons are a group that was set up after the Protestant Reformation in England. Though they have their roots to groups called the Knights Templars, etc., and they basically consist of wealthy businessmen who got together, who once. Uh, they had a bit more freedom of controlling the country instead of being under the church, the Catholic Church. They organised to arrange the world the way they wanted. And they had private clubs, private dinners, and they also had their own secret rituals and had various uh, degrees in which they uh, uh, initiated their members up to, as we probably know, the 33rd degree. So, it's, so it sounds all very cloak and daggerish, but it's actually not – it is like that, but it's not actually – they don't get around in capes and stuff. That's they, right. They are – uh, the pillars of our society, as you wish. That's right. I'm glad you said that. My grandfather was an Anglican minister, and when he became an Anglican minister, he finally got his uh, orders in uh, 1920. He was invited to join the Freemasons. He joined for a couple of years, but he left when my father was a baby. And my grandfather, both my parents told me this independently, that my grandfather had said that... Uh, he wasn't interested in the Freemasons anymore. He said all they were was a drinking society and he didn't want anything more to do with it. But what I didn't understand, what he didn't understand, is that all the people who are above the level of an ordinary minister in the Anglican Church are all members of the Freemasons and they control everything basically from behind the scenes. Yeah, so I, and my grandfather wasn't the sort of crook or uh, boozer type they could get involved in. Yeah, so I went to a meeting, one of the, or not the meeting, I went and had a few drinks with, with, uh, by accident some Freemasons out in a country pub one day. <clears throat> Lovely blokes, mm. just ordinary everyday farmers and, you know, there's a few politicians and whatever. And and I thought it quite strange that these guys would just take over the whole pub. And there was quite a few of them. And I got talking to them and I was just amazed. I, I had no idea. I've never heard of the Freemasons up until, you know, four or five years ago. Never been political in my life. And mm. to listen to some of the stuff that they were talking about, um, the lower down you are, it is just a boys' club and just a beer drinking club. That's right. The higher ranking, they don't go to these meetings. They have That's their own right. separate meetings. That's right. There's a very uh, powerful hierarchy of the very wealthy and people that's had a lot of stories. But one way you can find that out is to read the novel Catcher in the Rye. Now, I was we had that novel at school and I thought, what a vulgar load of rubbish. I don't want anything to do with it. I didn't do I didn't choose that option in my high school certificate in New South Wales back in nineteen seventy-three. So I got a surprise later on when I was reading the works of Joseph Atwill, A-T-W-I-L-L, who also has a website on Post Flaviana. He did an analysis of Catcher on the Rye, and he said the novel is actually a Freemason initiation ritual. And uh, when I looked at it, I was rather surprised because Joseph Atwell used to be a young serf. He's a bit older than me. He's 72. And he said back in the 1970s he'd come to Perth and went down to Margaret River surfing, but he hadn't really stopped in Sydney or Melbourne, so he didn't know those cities. And what's very odd is that I have, I grew, although I grew up in Sydney, I have been to Melbourne. And when I found what Joseph Atwell had said about a Freemason initiation ritual in that novel, I realised that the name of the character, Holden Caulfield, 
was connected to Melbourne because Melbourne was the first city to ever give public money to the Zionist project in 1861, less than 30 years after the city was founded, because the city got very rich on gold. So you knew that the Zionist connection in Melbourne was much stronger than the other cities of Australia. And he, um, uh, the the uh, novelist who wrote it, uh, J.D. Salinger, who was Jewish himself, wrote the novel in 1944. He knew that and he was actually offering a homage to Melbourne because the name Holden is the Holden car, in America it's called a Chevrolet, and the name Caulfield, and this bit Joe Atwell got wrong, he was thinking of cowl, call in a membrane over a baby's head when a baby's born, supposed to mean that the baby is special. But when you read the novel more carefully, the name is Caulfield and it's referring to the Melbourne suburb of Caulfield. And in the last scene of the novel where he's looking, he's perving at his little sister, he's sexually attracted to his younger sister as a good Freemason would be, when he's looking at a riding a merry-go-round, a big thunderstorm comes down. It's meant to be in a New York winter, but that's not winter New York weather. And he talks about the rain soaking down to his pants and he's quite comfortable to look at her. Now, in a New York Christmas, it's five degrees C. He'd be shivering uncontrollably like that. So what's happened in the novel, it's been magically transformed to Melbourne. And the merry-go-round that the little girl is riding is actually the Caulfield race course. And so everything has been mystically transferred to Melbourne. But, of course, Joe Atwell and no one else could pick that. But it shows that Zionism and Freemasonry are intimately connected. And they really got going from when they were founded under the Protestants in England and Scotland and then spread over the rest of the world, fomenting revolution and uh, basically handing everything over to rich financial elites, like they're trying to do to Russia today. That was one explanation. (laughs) That's right. That's one explanation. Rosie, you got anything to add to that? Um, Do you want to hear a story that my mum used to tell me? Yeah. So... I was born in Germany. We didn't come out to Australia until I was 10. And my mother learned how to cook with the nuns. And in my family, we have a few nuns as, you know, my mum's aunties and great aunties. And my mum and dad always used to talk about the Freemasons, you know, if Mm -hmm. ever they, I mean, my my father-in-law was a Freemason, so I was kind of, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a bit um, in trouble in my home. But my mother used to say that one of her aunties, who was a nun, who would nurse the dying, you know, she was in the palliative care in where, where the nuns nursed them in the hospital. Yeah. She used to say the worst deaths she ever attended were all Freemasons. Oh. They were the ones who knew that when you die, things may not be quite the way that we were all told they might be, <laughs> or they've done so many dodgy things that they figured that God wouldn't actually forgive them. That's right. Because it's yeah. it's all about how we feel about things. So mm. it's always made me wonder what are the rituals that they do. At, and, I mean, these guys weren't higher level mm. Freemasons. So what, what was in the rituals that would make these guys be terrified of death? I think it's, I suppose, because of uh, maltreatment of women and, of course, paedophilia, even worse. That's what mm. I suspect it is. But you'll never really know. They won't admit it. I do know one person here high up as a doctor who I later found was a paedophile. I was trying to get some information with him with a friend and he refused to discuss this any further unless I assented to his proposition. We all love to have a go at little boys, don't we? Which well, are repeated. It's funny you say that because there's another well-known Perth socialite who I won't name. 
of course. Um, How he, many are there? Yeah, well, one that I actually know Just, of, and I've seen the, the, uh-huh. the I've seen the screenshots of the um, <clears throat> of what he wrote on his Instagram or whatever it was, Twitter. He's actually taken it down. This is quite some time time ago. They call themselves maps, and he's I, I can't remember the minor attracted persons. All hell, land. yes, right. So. Mm-hmm. That's something that we've been wanting to really look into for for a long mm. time. The worst part about it is, I spoke to one of the one of the um, one of his friends, who's a, a high, well-respected um, lawyer barrister here in Perth. Very small. Um, He's he said, I thought that was water under the bridge, and I went, that's oh, never hell. water under the bridge, mate. So if he's saying that, gee, uh, who else is saying that? You know, these guys. There is. Um, it's the Frank. So, he, so he's willing to forgive and forget that he's, he's made a pedophile. Oh my God. Yeah, and I, I, that's, that was my reaction. Yeah. But yet, when I messaged him and, and said, Can you look into me to discrimination? And he just goes, I'll just get the jab. So that's a. Uh, yeah, perhaps he's hoping the jab will turn you into a pedophile too. Oh my God. See, it's just, it is out of control. And people, mm. the trouble is, Rosie, people don't believe that this sort of stuff goes on because they just go to work, go home, mm. go to the pub for a meal or go out or go whatever they do and they don't know about this stuff and we've I've fallen over this stuff by accident. See, my position mm. it's over the last few years has been everything to do with the law yeah. and there were English politicians pushing for this since the 70s for it to be legal. Yeah. Um, there was a judge, not sure if he was Queensland or Victoria, who on retirement started pushing it, that it should oh. all be legal. And you sort of think, you know, when they're pushing that, you know, a child as young as six has got perfect, you know, understanding of what they're agreeing That's to. Um, as a mum, I'm absolutely horrified. Mm. I'm When I was little, we never thought of anything like that. That's right. If we weren't... You know, I think the first time that I read about pedophilia was just before we came to Australia. So I was, I just turned 10 and there was an article in one of the German um, magazines. I think it was The Build or something, Das Build. And it was a story about a little girl whose mother had left and she ended up living with her father next to a rubbish tip and they used to have to go to the rubbish tip to survive. That's the bit that really struck me. And then they talked about him treating her like his wife. And so that was my first run-in with it when I was 10. And I can tell you right now, 10-year-olds don't really understand what that means. That's right. No matter how much knowledge you have. So you're saying that they they wanted to be able to give consents to six-year-olds? But yeah. I'm 46, and I'm not allowed. To, I'm not allowed to have make my own decisions when it comes to a vaccine. That's right. That's, that's what they're doing. It's <laughs> and, totally. And mad. I mean, when when so you, wake up, people. When you put it like mm. that, that that is absolutely right. Six-year-olds can make a choice to have a loving relationship. That's what they're with saying. With yeah. a 48-year-old. Yeah. Or a ninety-year-old, or a seventy-year-old, right. or not however a, they yeah, not not a parental or friendly relationship, but a sexual yeah, relationship. A sexual basically. relationship. Well, it goes, goes with a lot of things. You go with smoking, for example. I I can't I can't decide whether or not to have the vaccine. I have to have it or lose my freedoms. Mm. But we all know that smoking kills you. Like I said before, and you're free to go about. And you, you what are you? Was it eighteen? Now you can buy smokes. Are they um, you, can, yeah. you, you remembered. 
that, that couple of weeks where the unvaccinated weren't allowed to buy alcohol, even <laughs> even though you could be in the same shop doing your food shopping, you just couldn't grab the alcohol. So, that's so there's right. another interesting yeah. fact you just but, raised. But the, if you sold alcohol to a minor, the fine and charges were less than if you sold it to an unvaccinated <laughs> adult. Right. Yeah, they made a terrible it's blue like, there. What? That what they're trying to do is get the unvaxxed as drunk as possible, so they should be allowing them to drink. So when they and, get depressed, they'll and die. And of course, the problem in my household is Mark McGowan is trying to make my life as difficult as he can yes, because he hates exactly. me because I'm a mm. dropkick. However. Mm. He forced my husband to take the jab to keep his job. So now, you know, my husband went out and bought me whatever drink I needed. He goes out and does my shopping for me. So Mm. now my husband's got an extra job because I'm not going to go out. And every shopkeeper is missing me in Mandurah because Mm. I used to go out and, you know, I would buy things just because they were there. That's right. Discretionary shopping. And it's like. I, I did more discretionary shopping than most, and now I am shopping free. Yeah. I am, I am free. I'm saving a lot of money. <laughs> if I could fly overseas, I reckon I could afford to do that with cash now because I haven't mm. spent it down the shops. Yeah. So, so Bad there's, luck. There's another thing too. If we were a 98% vaxxed, apparently double vaxxed. Oh yeah, that, so, that one doesn't run so, true. So, so of course it's not true. So mm. if anyone believes that. The, you probably need to look at where you get information from. That's right. might be because, 60%. And remember that in three months, everybody's unvaxxed. Again. How the hell? Now, you tell me, why would the liquor industry lobby the state government for 2%? So you're trying to tell me 2% make up 30 40 50% drop in revenue for the liquor industry? Mm. Get a grip. That's um, right. I sent a, an email to the Crown Casino who got me on a bad day. They, they invited me to... Then Chinese New Year celebrations at the Crown, which is usually a week or so of festivities that I quite like to attend. But, of course, I'm not allowed there. So Mm. I sent them this missive and it was fairly big and sent that off to them. And in a telegram chat, you know, it came up. So I I posted a screenshot of what I'd sent and surprisingly somebody said, oh, one of my relatives works at the Crown. And the day they've been taking the numbers, the attendance numbers, it's very critical for something like the casino to know where their custom is. Oh, where the revenue is, yeah. And um, they reckon that from the moment that the vaccine mandates came in for the Crown, their custom dropped 40%. Wow. You you tell me that we are 90% vaccinated because there's no Mm. way I'll buy that. That's right. I didn't know that. That sounds very convincing what you've said. Okay, okay, Doc, I don't mean to cut you off, mate, but we've got a few other speakers, if you don't okay. mind. Yes, we, that's we really right. appreciate your time, mate. If, yeah. um, no doubt, we'll, I'm hoping we'll speak again soon. Hope so, too, because I'd like to tell you about Israel and what they did to their own people. So we'll leave oh, that Israel's next scary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've got a lot of information that needs to get out there. To right. So, you've got to get it out, Yeah, too. we need to try and... We're not trying to cut people off, but we're trying to get everybody a bit of a platform to have their say. Exactly. Yes. Okay, so I'll sign off now and catch you uh, hopefully next few weeks. Thanks very much, Doc. Great talking to you.
All right, guys. I'm here with uh, uh, Frank and Brent. Uh, g'day, guys. How you going? Good, man. Yeah, pretty good, thank you. How so, are you? Good, mate. So, just sitting here in the Supreme Court Gardens having a beer. And Brent, I'll start off with you, mate. I heard you had some sort of uh, event after your needles. Yeah, man. I, uh, I got double jabbed. Uh, which wasn't really a smart idea now. Now I look back at it and, and worked everything out. Um, uh, the first one I got, uh, sort of had a week off work and was pretty crook and didn't really do much about it. Being someone that doesn't like going to doctors and hospitals and all that sort of stuff, I thought I'll just tough it out. It's probably what meant to happen, you know, your body, body uh, reacting with it and fighting it and whatever. But uh, and, uh, I got the second one and... After a uh, off-road race event, I was feeling pretty crook and I had pain through my shoulder and um, couldn't sleep really well. And driving home with the family in the car and a five-ton trailer hooked up on the back, I had like a like a heart attack style event where my hands went clammy, my chest started tightening, my breathing went weird. Um, yeah, started like sweating really badly and then. Uh, sort of freaking out and didn't say anything to the wife I just sort of pulled over and then a, a sharp pain shot straight through my head into the back of my skull and I was like shit am I having a uh, am I having a stroke or what's going on here and yeah so that's that's sort of when I woke up and went this isn't good something's wrong so, so how old are you mate 34 34 and you and what did the doctor say uh, it took a while for me to actually go to the doctor after that still I'd sort of yeah it was three hours away from hospital so I didn't go there um but when i when i went into hospital uh the first time went to fiona stanley they discharged me after like six hours with ibuprofen and said uh you're pretty much we don't know what's wrong with you could be a bit of chest wall inflammation anxiety maybe uh they hadn't got to that yet that was that was the cardiologist he was the he was the guy that went down that path um Anyway, he yeah, so the first time in hospital they were saying, uh, yeah, it could just be some inflammation in your chest. Here's some 400 milligram ibuprofen. And I went, well, that's not going to work because I've been taking a whole pack of Nurofen every day like it's going out of fashion and it's not doing anything. So uh, they sent me home for 48 hours and said, come back if it's, if it's still not getting better. And I went to, the, uh, went to the GP two days later and it was worse. And he said, what are you doing here? Go to ED. Yeah, right. And what, and what did they say? Well, St John of God were pretty good in ED. They were like, oh, this isn't good. You're 34 with chest pains. Let's let's treat him like a heart attack. So uh, are, you, are you a smoker? No. Nah. Ever smoked? Like when I was 18 out, so, out on the beers, but nothing nothing major. So are you a heavy drinker? Not really. No, uh, normal. normal now what else would cause heart attacks? Lots of sugar and... Anything in the family? Anyone else in the family have nah, no problems? No, no heart attacks. No, no, nothing like that. It's... So you've no precursors for a heart attack or any sort, anything like that, strokes or anything in the family, and you're 34 years of age, Yep. and you're at that stage. Yep. And how long after the second jab was it? Uh, the pain was like sort of that week, and it slowly started getting worse, like the, shoulder, the pain in the shoulder was getting worse, and it was about 34 days after, which at that point they were saying was too long for an adverse reaction. But then after I ended up in hospital, they said it could be up to 49 days after. So... From what I've learnt with the government's requirements for adverse reactions, it's only 48 hours. They only count you as adverse reaction up to 48 hours after you've had the jab. But if you if you die from COVID, uh, they allow it to be a COVID death 28 days. 
Yep. Within the death, within the um, from when you had COVID. Yeah. So that's I've noticed that's with WA reporting, um, but Medicare have actually agreed that it's an adverse reaction. So it's interesting how different departments are saying different things and putting different stats out. And the stats go out to suit the narrative in the media, yeah. but really behind closed doors, they are giving exemptions out now. They're just not. They don't want to mention it because that's a, that's admitting fault. But yeah, so when when I got into St John of God, they were um, they were pretty good, like in in ED, and they sort of put me in a private little room in ED and. They said, uh, look, hang out here. We've got no beds in the ward for you at all. We can't get you up to the ward, but we'll put you on a, on a full-time uh, ECG monitor with an alarm hooked up. And so that must have been quite terrifying. It was, it was. And, um, was and, and I'm assuming that your, your wife wasn't allowed in? She was, actually. It was, ah. Yeah, it was before. It was uh, November, so it was before all okay. that stuff came in. How um, was she feeling about all of this? Uh, she was pretty freaked out. She, she was like, why didn't you say anything earlier? And I'm like, because I'm a bloke. Doesn't want to go to the doctor, like she's like. But you could die. I'd rather go straight to the morgue. Yeah, (laughs) pretty well. Now, in hindsight, like you know, probably should have gone to the doctor earlier. But um, yeah, no, she was freaked out. She was she was pretty scared. The kids didn't really know what was going on, and it's sort of hard because we've got three kids, and my my family live seven hundred k's away, and her mum doesn't really drive, and you know the dad's away a bit, and that sort of stuff. So it was. There's not a whole lot of support for the family side, so the wife has to be at home with the kids, right? Like they've got school, you want to keep their life normal, all that sort of jazz. So it was, um, it was pretty scary for her because she wasn't there knowing what was happening all the time. So she's got no support, or had no support at the time either, really. So yeah, it would have been really, no. really, really bad for both of you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, how are you going with the kids? You've got some young kids. Yep. Uh, with the masks and all the rest of it, I know you're the same boat as me. I'm fully against it after yep. everything I've read. Yeah, we, we took them out of school um, and then they got their mask exemptions. So we're pretty happy with that. And we've got a business to run. My wife's full-time at uni doing her law degree, actually. Uh, so, and then we're doing all this freedom fighting stuff. So we needed a bit of a break. So we sent them back to school, but with the mask exemption, so they they don't have to wear their masks. Um, they do sometimes choose to wear them. And, you know, this is the whole thing we're fighting for. It should be a choice. Uh, so they choose to wear them sometimes and coming down here today my my 11 year old girl she was she's not awake at all she's pretty uh she thinks we're conspiracy theorists and had a big argument about so, it so in saying that before i forget with the masks how so is anybody that's in hospital at the moment with covid i know this is a rhetorical question but <laughs> um so, or theoretically anyone that's in hospital at the moment shouldn't have covid if they've been wearing a mask should they this is if the, the masks work. This is the argument I had with my daughter this morning. We had a massive, massive blue. Well, we know, they don't, we, we know they don't work. I mean, the studies that have been done, that they show that they don't work. All they do is re, uh, redirect yep. the, the, the particles because it goes for the point of least resistance and it goes out the sides. That's, yep. that's, that's a proven fact. Not only that, after 20 minutes they're saturated. So if you sneeze, you've got a big blob of saliva yep. in the front of your mask and if you sneeze, it just goes in all directions anyway. So... I, I had this argument the other night with a guy at a at a bar. Went I went took the wife out for dinner and haven't done that in a long time. And uh, went in and they checked your vac status as you come in the door. And then at the bar he goes, "Oh, can I stamp you because you to prove you're vaccinated?" And I said, "But you shouldn't be allowed in the you're not allowed in if you're not vaccinated. So why do you need to stamp me at the bar?" He goes, "Oh, so I know." And I'm like, "But there should be no unvaccinated people in here." And he's like, "Oh, he goes, I'll stamp you." And I'm like, "But you just stamped." 
100 other people with that same stamp on their hand that they just used to take their mask off, which has got the COVID particles on it, right? And he, he was like, oh, oh, well, that's a bit weird. You like, want to say it? Have you sanitised that stamp? Yeah, I said, and you're in my 1.5 metre personal space. And he started freaking out about COVID. And I'm like, oh, mate, I feel sorry for you. You're, <laughs> you you need to wake up a little bit. So. Well, it's the same as uh, when I go the other day. Oh, the, uh, we thought our young fella had COVID. And I was just going to keep him home from school, as we did anyway. He just had a bit of a flu. And my wife rang me and she said, can you get some tests? So I thought, well, no point going all the way up the hill, finding out they don't have the tests and then coming back down the hill. So I rang them. Oh, my God. They said I had to go outside, to pay by card over the phone, and then to go outside and wait. And I said, it's not for me, it's for someone that I know. Because I hadn't been home for a couple of days. Yep. I'd been working. And they looked at me. I walked in because I have a mask exemption. So I've walked in, and they have absolutely freaked out. They've, but not only that, what got me was they have masks on and then they have the full face shields on. I'd be surprised if they don't have another mask under that initial mask, but uh, the way they carry on. Plus, they're vaccinated. Yep. What are they scared of, really? Well, you, yeah. We had that in Canberra. We did a march from Glebe Park because I went over for the big march in Canberra. Um, and we did one in Glebe Park and went through the CBD and that was really impactful. Like It was literally the, the circular part of Canberra uh, there was some bloke, he would have been in his 90s hobbling up the road and he had a full mask on and then he had a shield over the top of that and he's hobbling away. And then when everyone's mar- uh, chanting and marching past him, he started hugging all the all the protesters and he's like, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then he takes his shield off and we're like, yeah, and the whole crowd's cheering this bloke and he's just doing what his daughter's probably told him and all the, what the nursing homes told him and said he'll die if he gets COVID. And so I, I understand the, all the fear. Yeah. I bought into it when it first came out. I thought, geez, you know, because these come around every hundred years or so. Yeah. But I, now knowing what I know, like I never left the house without a mask on. My wife never left the house without a mask. Never did my girlfriend. No, that was a bad joke. <laughs> um, so yeah, none of us and the kids. You know, I made them stay home, and and I bought into the fear that was. And the funny part about it was that was I have not watched Channel Seven, Channel Nine, any of the mainstream media's for a long time. So, and I still bought into the, the hysteria. Have, uh, you, have I, you seen the stats for the uh, death rate in 2020? They got released on Thursday. I've got, um, I actually know the stats off by heart. They are uh, in, in oh, sorry, not 2020, but in 31st of January 2022. Uh, sorry, no, it was 2020, sorry. They had... Uh, mortality rate, the, the COVID had a mortality rate, sorry, I'll start again. The COVID had a mortality rate of 1%. Yep. That's the government numbers. The numbers don't lie, remember? Yeah. And then if you look into it, they all had comorbidities apart from 8.6%. So that is a figure of 0.086% yep. mortality rate. Yep. So that's the government's figures. The rest of them had underlying issues, like 46% had uh, comorbidities were... Um, you know, like dementia. I think I've got yeah. some of that dementia, um, <laughs> heart attacks, and stuff like that. So these people are the only eight point, sorry, point oh eight six. That's like oh, very many Nothing. people considering. So it works out to like uh, I might be wrong here, but ninety people or ninety three people or something that have died actually of the COVID. The rest of them have died with COVID. I'm not saying that um, the severity. 
is any less. Death is death. So that's final. But with the vaccine, the vaccination has an adverse reaction of around 3%. Actually, I think it's a little bit higher now that it's starting to be a bit more widely reported. So, so that's pretty scary. I'll give you this. This is Channel 7. This is what they released on Thursday. It's, it's data from the Bureau of Statistics. So it's real data. No one can argue with it. The Bureau gives the right data, but they give a few little weird wordings to try and throw people off. Oh, you've got to look into it to find the truth. There was a 4% decline in 2020 compared to the average yearly deaths across 2015 to 2019, according to the ABS. So in the the peak of COVID, when everyone was freaking out in 2020, there was a 4% decline in deaths. Further to that, there was 21% fewer deaths from respiratory illness. Now, if you remember, they were saying we need respirators and all those ventilators and all that stuff because we're all going to die because our lungs can't work. There was a 21% reduction in respirator death in 2020. Not only that, the suicide rate went down by 6% uh, in 2020 and the suicide rate for 15 to 24-year-olds rose by 0.1%. Now, 0.1% is not a really big deal, but it is when the rest of the age numbers, the age groups, went yep. down by 6%. When everything goes down and that so, goes up, it's a... Yeah. Yep. So it's fairly that's a fairly significant rise in, in numbers, I'd say, because realistically, shouldn't they have gone down a few percent? If everything else is going down, wouldn't it make sense? Yeah, so why has it gone up by 0.1%? And, uh, and interestingly... Interest, interestingly, the numbers for the Aboriginal community, Indigenous community, I think rose by 4.7% in 2020. That's a fair hike considering the overall numbers went down 6%. Yep. So that's a fair hike in suicide. Yep. Um, and we've been saying this for a long time. I've been saying it for a long time about uh, how detrimental to our health our mental health, we, like, we know that the mask and the whole thing, the whole scenario is causes health issues such as, you know, we've got depression, anxiety, um, eating disorders, which I never thought would be a part of it. But apparently, any if you've got an uh, eating disorder at the moment, or before this started, it's going to be a lot worse. My, my wife has, uh, she's diagnosed with uh, some mental illness. Um, and she's medicated for it, and she, she's happy to tell people about that. But our 11-year-old, our she's, she's pretty much exactly the same as my wife. She's now medicated. She's got a uh, mental health problem. Uh, my wife will probably shoot me when I get home for saying this, but, you know, last night we found out my daughter was talking about uh, uh, hanging herself. Oh, Jesus. Um, which is, my, my dad committed to... Yep, not what age? She's 11. Fuck. And she's messaging her friends about it. And her friends aren't speaking up about it and all that sort of stuff. So there's there's a big problem with mental health at the moment that we need to we need to work on. My father took his own life in uh, a few years ago, so I'm well, sorry to hear that. I'm, I'm well aware of the mental health side of, of what it can do and what, what it can affect. And I've I've just noticed with my children exactly how how uh, how freaked out they are about this. So my daughter, who's unvaccinated. Uh, wears her mask when she chooses to because she's got the exemption. She, if she chooses to, she wears it. If she doesn't, she doesn't. And there's no problem with that. Um, so she's now freaked out as to why her friends have got COVID and they're vaccinated and they're wearing masks and she's unvaccinated and not wearing a mask and not getting COVID. So that, I'm assuming she's in It's almost like survivor's guilt, isn't it? Yeah, Look, it is. You haven't taken no precautions or nothing. And yeah. you, you're doing better than everyone that's paid the ticket. Yeah, she can't work it out. So she still thinks she's got COVID and the rat tests are wrong. 
So um, I wear it as I yeah I wear it as a badge of honour that I'm unvaccinated. Yeah. Because it was getting to me a fair bit, uh, not for my sake, but for my kids' sake and for my wife's sake, whereas she's can't doesn't handle it as well as as what I do. I'm sick of seeing her crying. I mean, I know she's an emotional wreck at the moment because of all this. She feels like she's alone. And imagine how many people out there that don't have a husband or something that's yep. fighting the good fight um, and feel like they're alone. I've met some of those ladies last week or the week before at the Mundaring Shire Council who are going to vote to be pro-choice, by the way. Um, we hope. We met uh, about 10 to 15 people there that thought that they are alone. And so we've all linked up and... We've got they've got a meeting every Wednesday at I think at ten a.m. at the sculpture park. So anyone's listening, get up there. So, I mean that, that that's sad and that, that's harsh. Look, you know, being on your own and, and protesting. But when you when you're in the family and you're protesting, and, and, and like old mate saying before, I like hear the blue with his daughter about di- different opinions. So when you're in a family and, and you're protesting, and some of the family is not protesting, that's even lonelier among people. And it's I've seen it destroy a lot of friendships, a lot of families, a lot of people arguing over. What they want to do with their life. So, so McGowan's going home every night, and I mean, I'm assuming he just—he's that arrogant that he just thinks that we're we're insignificant. I think that's going to bite him in the ass. And, and we actually, from what I've seen today, there is actually a lot of evidence that he's been served. The West Australian, <coughs> sorry, the West Australian police has been has been served with um, a lot of evidence to suggest. So, what happens from here on in? Um, we'll see what happens, I suppose. But. Very, I saw, very, the, I saw yeah. those same documents. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, you can't deny. Well, you can't. The, the evidence is there, so. Yep. Um, it's good to see. And one thing I will elaborate on is the um, the steel uh, dossier over in America. You know how we call it the Russiagate scandal against Trump. Um, I think there's another guy arrested last night or yesterday in, in relation to that, giving uh, providing false uh, fraudulent or whatever information to the FBI. So that's the third or fourth person that I know of that's been arrested and jailed over that. So it hasn't been like they've got no bail, but so I, I know that things are starting to kick off. That's given me a little bit of hope that something will happen here and, and, our, and our authorities, as you'd like to call them, the police will actually do something. So I don't know, we'll see what happens, I suppose. Well, we, we are WA, right? The rest of Australia does say that we're three hours and 40 years behind them. So yeah. we, we, might, we might catch up eventually, but... I reckon if we keep pushing harder, we can bring that back to ten years behind them. But uh, I think we'll, I think we'll get there. I think we're all, everyone knows they're on the right path here. Um, something we've got to, I reckon, we've got to do here and with these, uh, with these marches and protests and rallies is we've got to stop preaching to the people that are already converted. That's right. We need to get it out there to other people. And I'm at a loss of how to do that because I've done live videos. We've, I've, we talked to people like I was with, uh, uh, well, the six fellows last night. We were at the pub. Fuck you, Mark McGowan. Uh, we're at the pub drinking, and um, two of two. Of, it was funny as because the f- three of us. Oh, sorry, there's five of us because three of us were unvaxxed at this lovely pub that I'm going to tell everybody. No, I'm not. Um, we're unvaxxed, and the other two were triple vaxxed. They've got their kids vaxxed, four-year-old and five-year-old kids. Now they had trouble, which I thought very ironic. They had trouble getting into the pub. <laughs> I wasn't asked for my vaccination certificate. <laughs> so a lot of pubs have had enough and, and I'll go back to the same old thing why would the liquor, liquor industry lobby the state government for 2% of people that are unvaxxed I mean so if you believe those numbers you're an idiot 
why would the uh, why would the income be down on on liquor sales if only two percent of the population are unvaxxed? So we apparently the <laughs> I know a few people that have that own pubs, and uh, apparently their sales the ones that are enforcing the mandates there are quite a few that aren't. So fuck you again, McGowan. There are quite a few that are not enforcing it. They and the ones that are are saying that we're seeing a decline in 30, 40, 50 percent in business. Now I know I drink a fair bit. <laughs> but, but I mean, I don't think I have that much of an effect on the liquor industry. So, yeah, yeah. It would be good if we've. There's some emails that have gone out to the unions, uh, basically telling the unions that they need to start standing up for their people, doing like what the liquor industry did, and and lobby and try and get get it repealed. Uh, so the mandate for liquor industry got repealed for for takeaways, not for pubs, just for bottle shops. So that, that's weird. Um, but. If the unions start doing it for, for employment, well, this thing will be over in five minutes. That's right. The only problem we've got in WA is we've got a Labor government. And who backs the Labor, Labor governments and where does all the money come from? The unions. So we've got a bit of an issue there, which is it just shows the, the depth of the corruption. Um, if we had a Liberal government, I could guarantee you it would be a completely different story. And there's another thing too. So ScoMo just left him or... I think he left today, did he, or uh, was he leaving? I'm not sure. They're pretty quiet about all this stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, no wonder. I didn't even know he rocked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he just rocked up and said, hey, and uh, Mark thought he was quite funny, making a joke about how, how I haven't seen ScoMo for a while, about 200 and something days or whatever it is. He said, I think I might have had something to do with that. And I thought, is that something to laugh about? This is causing suicides and all sorts of uh, health effects. And you're la- you're joking about that. You're having a bit of a laugh, and that shows the arrogance of our leader. Yep. And the fact that other leaders, other party leaders, and even people within his own party aren't turning around and saying to him, "Listen here, put your head in, dickhead." That's and, worrying for me. And you know the whole reason he's here, right? It's the federal election push that he's coming over for. So, the Mat- Matagarup, which is Harrison Island, which is uh, Greg Martin and his and his mob, have invited everyone down there to. We're not allowed to say camp, but you can come and. Come and bring your sleeping stay bag all night. and stay all night for 10 days or uh, until uh, uh, what leads on to the next part is uh, McGowan had a $50 million plan to redevelop Harrison Island with a bridge and all that sort of stuff. Overcome ScoMo. It's now a $100 million project and somehow while ScoMo's here, that gets announced that Civmec has the, have the deal for it and it's happening. Now I'm on the I'm on the uh, the uh, tender portal for state government staff building maintenance and works. I haven't seen anything pop up for our industry in that hundred million dollar uh, project that's going ahead. So isn't there with that? I used to do that when I was doing earthworks myself. And isn't there a, a, a three months or something? I'm not sure what it is over yep. here. I used to have to when I was in Victoria, we had to do. Uh, they put the tender out for three to six months depending on the quality. You know, yep. And they had to wait. There's a cut-off date. Yep. So if you haven't seen that and you're on there, you haven't seen that pop up, that's rather a large project to go ahead without being... I think we just look at who built half the uh, Matagarrett Bridge, the one over to the Oval. Civmec built half of it. Frio Steel built the other half. And uh, Civmec get the next job straight away. Uh, and that'll just be a political thing. And Mark can now go, see, we're not getting Malaysian people to do it like the Liberal government did. But they're, they're using this all now as distractions and trying to buy people and, and take everyone's minds off... The fact that we're actually fighting a corrupt government that's hurting people and killing people. That's right. And they're, they're, they're trying to you know brainwash everyone again with a different avenue. So right now we've got an election, now we'll just talk about this other crap that actually means nothing. 
No one wants a $100 million walkway over Matagara, especially the indigenous, that, that, that was their birthing island. That's where, they, well, that's where all the women came for birthing every year. They don't want to dug up and, and put a bridge across it. Like For the next five years, they'll be in there making a mess. And, and then they've got the cultural misappropriation side of it. They've, they've used boomerang shapes as the, as the uh, tension bridge arms. Like, do you, reckon well, do you reckon they're giving like, do you reckon they're going, yeah, we want you to put a boomerang on it? No, they're going, get rid of the bloody bridge. <laughs> so it's, they're distracting everyone. They're causing big problems. And it's good that people like Greg Martin are now involved and like in our, not our movement, the people's movement, because it's showing the unity. Yeah. Was the, the unity of the community? It's everyone. It's it's every single person. It's not just one group of anti-vaxxers, and it's not just one group of mums that don't want their kids taking masks. Just on that as well. I mean, hate I hate the word anti-vaxxer because we've labelled anti-vaxxers. I'm I'm up to date with my vaccines, just not the COVID shot. So. I've had, I've had I, my have my, I have my COVID shots. There you go. They can't so you, call me an So you're not an anti-vaxxer. You're a, a, more of a truth teller, a, a pro-choice. Freedom, freedom fighter. Not even that. Just a pro-choice. Just leave Just You know what? If they had left me alone and I could have just went about my day. You know the, what I find even funnier? Even though, say, you're double-jabbed and other people are triple-jabbed, they still don't have any freedom. Correct. So everybody's done it because they... Not because... Majority of people didn't do it because they thought it was the right thing. They've done it because... They just wanted to get on with life. Well, yep. How is that working out for you guys? Well, that's what they were promised. They were yeah, promised that's if right. If you do this, do that, you be a good boy, you, you carry on with normal life. If not... So not only that, we're in a state of emergency currently and Mark's uh, promoting <laughs> tourism. <laughs> so are we in a state of emergency or not? Uh, I'm going to say no. Um, I reckon all these uh, unmasked people that are down here in Langley Park uh, just chilling out, having a picnic and listening to music, I don't, there's no emergency going on down here. I don't. It's funny today. I think I don't know how many. Th- I don't know how many thousand people were here, but there we was quite a few. Yeah, yeah. I, and not bad considering a lot of people I know are at home sick. So, uh, or think they're sick. I think they've got a scratch in their throat. Can we get? Sorry to interrupt. Can we get Greg in here soon, the, the indigenous elder? Yeah. Can, are you guys? Sorry, guys. We have an intruder. So, so we'll cut. We'll edit that out. Bring him in. Um, I'm going to bring his daughter in as well, yeah? Roger. She just left. Did she? Yeah. Can someone shut that? That's focusing the... Actually, I'll do it So what we'll do is we'll play a bit of music and we'll get back to that. What was I talking about? No. Sorry guys, we just uh, had a little break. Went outside for another jab. I think that'll be that'll be good if we get Greg in here now. That'll roll on just from what we're talking about. Yeah, but, uh, so that'll be fantastic. He's on his way over, I believe. He's. Uh... I just want to quickly go back to when you were in hospital, when you had the you know the full time ECG, the alarms, and all that. Yeah, you know, your wife, your kids. Yeah. What, what was going through your mind then, look? Because I've, I've been in hospital a few times, hooked up with all the stickers and wires and beeps and all that. And uh, 
it was pretty scary. Um, I sort of thought I, I thought I was dying, but at the same time, I knew I'd had that same feeling uh, couple, like two weeks before. So the pain is is huge. Like right now, I'm sitting with about a five and a half out of ten in pain. Like that's like right at this very moment. So then, when I was in hospital, there was like a nine to ten. Like I couldn't imagine any more pain in my chest. The the scary part is not knowing what the problem actually is, because if they can diagnose something and they can they can straight away go, yep, it's this. Let's let's fix it. When the doctors and nurses are sitting there scratching your head, their head, and going, uh, we don't actually know what's wrong with you. It's bloody scary it's really scary it, it freaks the hell out of you. you you know if the doctors don't know what they're doing what hope have i got i'm not medically trained well i put that more down to they don't want to say what it was they don't want to say it's an adverse reaction to the jab the nurses would the nurses would say it the nurses would talk about it the porters that take you for your blood tests and your x-rays and your mris they'd, they'd all talk about it they're all like this is this isn't good there's 10 more like you in the hospital and That's exactly uh, what you want to hear in a hospital, isn't it? Yeah, I had one porter pushing me down for my... Oh, I'm glad I'm not alone. Yeah. <laughs> my, my MRI, um, the one where they put the dye in your the CA, CPA or whatever it is and check out your heart with the dye, um, I was getting pushed down there and the, the porter goes, um, yeah, you're like the fourth guy today. And I'm like, okay. He goes, how old are you? I said, 34. And he's like, oh. And I'm like, yeah, it's my birthday today. He's like, oh, shit, sorry. Happy birthday. Uh, yeah. Oh, that was, yeah, when I was in hospital. Um, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy, happy birthday. birthday. Yeah, have a heart attack. Yeah, and he um and he goes, yeah, there's four. I've had four down today, and there's there's ten in the hospital your age group, thirty to forty five. And I'm like, they're not on my ward. Where are they? And he's like, oh, they've scattered them around the hospital, so you don't all see each other and talk. And I'm like, I'm like, nah, surely, surely not. And then after the CACPA and the cardiologist comes in and goes. Look, there's nothing wrong electronically or whatever they say, electrically with your heart. Uh, there's no blockages. There's no, um, there's nothing the wrong, nothing plumb the wrong way. Like you're actually, your heart's in good, uh, good health. And he goes, I think you've got anxiety. And that was like eight or nine days after being in hospital and no one had mentioned anxiety at all. For well, well, I do now. <laughs> That's what I said to him. I actually said, I said, mate, the only anxiety is the anxiety I have right now and the next thing, if you talk to me and say I've got anxiety uh, again, the next thing you'll see is my fist through your face. And it didn't go down very well. And the cardiologist said, well, I think our meeting's over. Well, he's in the right spot, isn't he? He's in the hospital. So well, I don't think I was in a position to really get up and chase him. But um, that's how I was actually really angry. And I had lots and lots and lots of anger, um, which now I've learned to convert into positive change. Well, that's um, good. Because I, I was funny you say that. I have a friend in Tasmania that's 35 fit as a fiddle, uh, MMA boxer and all the rest of it, and he's got abs and all the rest of it. So he hasn't got an ounce of fat on him. He's, I think it was two days or three days after his uh, second Pfizer jab, bang, he's down and out for the count. So the last seven weeks, he's been coughing up blood in the hospital, out of hospital, and they don't know what's wrong with him. Now, oh, I well, look at all the sports stars that have passed away. Well, there, let's, let's talk about that. Like all the soccer players, the Warnies passed away. There was five or ten. No, there was ten. There was uh, in one game, in one soccer game in, in England, there was Senator Kitching, the lady senator in Melbourne, that, in yep. Victoria, that died. Um, they said that she looked after herself fairly well. Shane Warne, they were all saying now he lived a, a ragged lifestyle and he was a, a prime heart attack, heart attack candidate. Well, I don't know about that. He, he, he did go on some fairly bizarre diets. 
and they do put you under a fair bit of stress, but I mean, Coco and Hookers might do that to you as well, but you know, and I haven't died yet, so. Yeah, especially getting the jab in Thailand. No, you got the, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That'll give anyone a heart attack. <laughs> but even like a lot of these, these sports players, athletes, they've got like doctors, physicians, nutritionists, everything looking after them, keeping them in, in top shape. Playing for multi-million dollar, sometimes billion-dollar contracts. And oh, Wallace from Essendon Football Club. Yeah, look, these yep. these aren't just run-of-the-mill guys that sort of look after themselves, sort of thing. Go to the gym or take the dog for all. These are properly trained, yep. highly professional athletes, and they're, they're dropping like flies. And that's a bit of a worry, isn't it? The nutritionists, doctors, they they have their own. I know that uh, like they have coaches for forward coaches, and then they have their head coach, then they have their doctors, and have a head doctor. Then they have a cardiologist on site. They have all, all sorts of uh, various doctors, a team of doctors. Not, they're obviously not there around on 24-7, but they give them advice on how to live, how to eat properly, how to train, keep an eye on their heart rate and all the rest of it. So you'd think that they'd be pretty, fairly knowledgeable, a lot more than what I would be, a beer-drinking, slobby uh, 46-year-old, you know, and I'm still here. So that's what... But you think that I would be more of a prime candidate than a, a you know a fit and healthy thirty four year old or even a twenty twenty five year old? Oh, exactly right, man. It's there's something there is definitely something in it that like I know the some of the older blokes are now dropping off in their fifties and all that sort of stuff. But in the in the age bracket between the thirty and forty five, why is there such a huge representation of jab injuries in that? In that age bracket, like that, fifteen is to twenty-four year olds, and then it jumps up. It skips for some reason. It skips yep. the the for a few years, and then goes back to thirty, forty, and up to fifties. Yeah. Um, but most of the people I know and I've met are in the thirty to forty-five. Yeah, right. Most of the people, and if you look on Jab Injuries Australia, a lot of the people in that, like thirty-four, seems to be a magic number. Like fifty-two for the for the booster people. Like there's a there's a few commonalities which. I'm not massive into the conspiracy stuff, but there is just some weird things that, that definitely need to be explained in that. Well, there's so much coincidences, like, uh, for example, where I live up in, in the hills, I'd be lucky to hear an ambulance or see an ambulance uh, in my quiet suburb for once every two months, maybe. And it seems to be daily, lately. Yeah. And what someone said to me, well, where are these people dying in the street of jab injuries? And I'm like, you're not understanding how it's happening. Yep. People are not just dropping dead like they do. Um, I'm sorry, actually, we'll go back to this in a minute with the car and truck crashes with the double jab. Um, but we're seeing them, they're going home and having heart attacks. They're going home and, and doing that. So I want to see, and I'd love to see the statistics now, right to now, yep. of the heart attacks in the last year compared to the year before compared to the year before. I'd love to see that. I don't think we're ever going to see those be the honest statistics because they will not be favourable. No, they definitely change and hide the stats to yeah. suit the narrative. I mean, I, I I went through and tried to find ambulance statistics and be stuffed if I can, and I know that that was common knowledge. It's common knowledge before. So go back to the the there's accidents you hear more and more now of trucks on running off the road. Um, we were at the a friend of mine was at the IGA the other day, and there was a fella on when he pulled up. There was a fella on the ground, and I'm hearing a lot of people do this, and they just blank. What happened? Oh, I don't know. I just blanked out. He had put, he got a brand new BMW motorbike. He just fell over, and the bike fell on top of him. When they picked him up, he was all right. But when they picked him up, he said, "Well, what happened, mate?" And he goes, oh, "I don't know. I just blanked out." So that's scary because I'm hearing more and more truck drivers having the same thing. And they're driving some of those trucks 120 tons. Imagine that coming at you, and our mates asleep at the wheel. 
I've I've noticed a lot more uh, truck crash, crashes and all the, the sort of groups and stuff I'm on. I've done a bit of travelling across the country recently, obviously, <laughs> going to Canberra and stuff, and see a fair few. And most of them are the major major brands, where they were mandating uh, internally jabs early on. Um, so before it became actual rules and and you know state mandates and stuff, they was they were forcing it into their workplace. So those people are complicit in this whole thing. Um, you know, I've got a business and. I don't force my staff to get vaccinated. If they want to go and get vaccinated, that's their choice. You know? well, I'm, I'm starting to see them as a liability now, so I wouldn't probably wouldn't hire. I'd probably go the other way with the discrimination because yep. the discrimination is very real. I would more than likely think if I was going to get someone to drive one of my trucks, uh, I don't want someone that's vaccinated because I'm scared that they're going to not only not only run, you know, run off the road and hurt themselves, they might kill someone. I'm liable for that because don't forget... Uh, liability is on the is on the employers now. So if you mandate or don't, whatever, all the, the government's put all this liability back onto everybody about everything now. Yep. So that's a major factor in my decisions now. Yeah, except they've uh, given immunity to the people that made the vaccination or the jab, whatever you want to that's call it. That's right, yeah. So getting a bit out of control the way... Um, I even laughed. I, I, wrote it, I read it out before to Rosie and the, and the doctors that were here, and you'll have a laugh at this. This come from the school. Um, my daughter's 12 and one of the things that they sent to me via, via a text message and to do with the COVID you may find keeping up with changes confusing frustrating and some things downright dumb <laughs> <laughs> so but on the balance I think on the balance WA government health department and the school are doing the best we can in the ever changing landscape now if you've got someone at school telling me that they're te- that they're in control, but it's dumb. I'm a little bit worried about that. If a know. school's enforcing a rule that's dumb and they know that it's dumb, well, what's I'm saying? That's so. your question. Well, they're not really fit to teach me dog, are they? So, I mean, I'm 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 no educator, so I'm sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place when it comes to educating my kids. I'll uh, I'll just read out an ex- excerpt I've got here from uh, what's her name, Celery uh, Minister Sue Ellery. Uh, she replied to a friend of mine that that sent an email about uh, the issues around masks and vaccinations at school and talking about vaccinations at school and all that sort of stuff. So she actually got a personalised response, not just an automated email or even a brief thanks for your email sort of thing. It was a proper, proper letter. And it says, I encourage you to read what the Telethon Kids Institute says about why having our kids wear masks in school is the correct call. Now, the last time I checked, the Telethon Kids Institute wasn't actually a medical uh, peer-reviewed diary or anything like that. It's 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 marketing for their promotion, which is a fundraising tool. That's correct. Like, how can the how can the health minister be using Telethon as her evidence? Well, the health minister hasn't got any qualifications, Sorry, as far edu- as I'm aware. The education minister, not the health health minister. Yeah, well, the. Uh, um, Health Minister, what's she? She's got a journalist um, degree. I think she's um, a lawyer. Was she a lawyer? No, she's a journalist. She journalist, a journalist was she? Degree. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she's got the perfect uh, background for bullshit, hasn't she? So let's get rid of the doctor. Let's get rid of the doctor that was in there and let's put a journalist in there. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, I he, mean wa- I'll, he wasn't great. I'll never trusted my doctor again. That's why I haven't been back to my doctor. So um, I know that my, the, the blood pressure medication that I'm on works because my blood pressure has been through the roof if I stopped taking it, which I did. Um, but 
that's that's it. I won't, I'm I'm seeking alternative uh, alternative health advice now because he's told me after telling me not to get the jab, just get it, just to just to shut up basically. And I said, hang on, give me an exemption, and you ca- he can't give me one because the government told him to. So if you're going to follow that advice and you're not going to give me proper proper medical advice, I'm not coming back to you, mate. I it shows how deep the corruption is with with the government. Like the government's telling our doctors what they can and can't do and how they can and can't work based on their eight to twelve years of education. Well, doctors all over the world are being have been fired. And you know, I mean, look at Fauci, Doctor Fauci. I don't know how why I even call him. I just call him Fauci because he's not a doctor's behind. Um, let's talk about 2019. He's telling everyone not to wear the mask because they're inefficient. They don't work. Ineffective. They don't work. And now he's promoting that everyone should wear a mask. How many dollars are the mask makers making? That's correct. Moment? So he's he might have changed his mind, but the, the science hasn't changed. Uh, like you know, like I said, we've had 100 and, I've got 130, 150 studies on mask wearing alone where it's, it states it's not only doesn't work, it's detrimental to your health and really, really bad for kids. Yeah. And terrible for the environment too. The, the masks take like some like 430 years to decompose. Not only that, if you've seen the amount of masks getting around the place now, I could probably make a kite out of one. Yeah. Like I'm, when I say kite, I'm talking lift us all up. So I got sent the, uh, uh, what do they call themselves, uh, APRA. Their, yeah. Their, their communication, their position statement they sent to all nurses. So this, this just tells you the story, right? Any promotion of anti-vaccination statements or health advice which contradicts the best available scientific evidence or seeks to actively undermine the national immunisation campaign, including via social media, is not supported by national boards and may be in breach of the codes of conduct and subject to investigation. National boards have developed social media guidance to help, and then you can click on the link to go to that, to help registered health practitioners understand and meet their obligations when using obligations when using social media. The guidance explains that registered health practitioners must make sure that their social activity activity is consistent with the regulatory framework for their profession and does not contradict or counter public health campaigns or messaging, such as Australia's COVID-19 vaccination policy. That's uh, quite hypocritical, isn't it? It it goes on and it goes to say um, it may be in breach of national laws and you will be charged. Now... What, it doesn't state any national law there that you're breaking. I don't know if... I've never heard of a national law in Australia. Here's another thing also. Why are people following these mandates when, the, like all the pubs and clubs, imagine if everybody just turned off their social media accounts and said when the police came knocking, sorry, I don't watch the news and I don't have social media. Yep. Where was the letters? I never got a letter to my shop to say that I must follow these guidelines, I must do this and I must do that. If we're in a national health, a national, um, health crisis, shouldn't there'd be some sort of advice and it changes daily yep if they're willing to spend billions of dollars which they have done on this fear campaign surely they can spend a few dollars on emails uh, I reckon I reckon even uh, personal they can come around and uh, investigate you for breaching the rules oh but they can't come around and uh, actually give you personal face to face talks about it and say so here's another one today apparently today they kicked off on uh, going door to door yeah, and yeah. doing random testing. Now I bet that those random tests aren't so random whatsoever because uh, these rallies, people's number plates are all taken. I know my number plate's been taken a dozen times or whatever every time I come to the rallies. So I bet you any money, majority of those people are not vaxxed and they're going to get tested. 
Yep. Yep. But the te- where else in the world are they doing that? The test that they're using, they're, they're going out and door knocking, is actually a non-TGA approved test that's been developed here in Western Australia. There's another thing. Yep. The tests that we use in Western Australia have been stopped being used anywhere else in the world. Yep. But th- this is a new test. This is the whole point of what they're door knocking for. They're, they're trying to justify and use it as the trial for this new new test, which is crazy because, no, like... If you're perfectly healthy, what are you going to do? Stick a stick a cotton bud up your nose and get told you're sick and stay at home? Like you, you're opening yourself up to. How does that even make sense? Why would anyone believe that? Well, that's one of the symptoms of, of um, the Omicron was no symptoms. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I said the other day. I said to Frank, I said, oh, I better go and get checked. He goes, Why? You feel okay? I said, Yeah, I feel fine. I better go and get checked. I think I've got the COVID. No, the, the new symptoms are myocarditis, pericarditis, uh, all the things people started getting from the vaccination. They're suddenly the symptoms of the of the new variant. Like, uh, another one too was uh, I liked was the the fact that when you the new study I seen a new uh, fear campaign I call it is apparently you can have a heart attack while making your bed now. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. And I, I track my heart rate with a watch. I've got a medical watch that tracks everything now. So tracks my sleep, tells me if my body's recovering correctly the next day, if I need more rest, all that sort of stuff. When you're sleeping, I don't think I know anyone whose heart rate hits 180 BPM. I reckon if people woke up with a heart rate of 180 BPM in the middle of the night, they'd be freaked out. Now, mine does that regularly. Really? Still? Yep, still. So I don't have the big episodes I have like I, like I have uh, in sort of November, December, January. But I've changed my diet. I've flipped my my, um, my whole life upside down and changed everything I do. I'm not doing exercise anymore. That walk around the city today was the most exercise I've done since Canberra. And, uh, don't tell my wife that, she reckons. Anyway. Um, yeah. Uh, like, I've fully changed my whole life to not cause strain on my heart. Now, I shouldn't have to do that. No. But... Then the next part is I'm still getting these massive spikes of, of really high heart rate. And why? What is it? What's wrong with it? Um, so my, my GP, she's awake. She's, uh, she's on my side. She's, uh, she's doing the, playing the medical game, so to speak, and still treating me and trying to find out what is wrong because she can't, she can't pinpoint anything that's wrong and she's not stopping until she does find what's wrong. She's oh, basically, well, that's a good GP. Yeah, she's basically said... We're going to stop all your medication at the end of this course and we're going to start again. And we're going to go back to the beginning and we're going to go, all right, what is actually wrong now? What is what is causing this? Rather than just keep treating what they perceive it to be as pericarditis, she said it's not... None of the people with pericarditis, not none, most of the people with pericarditis aren't showing up as typical pericarditis. It's just not showing up as the normal... They don't have the normal tells in the tests for it to be written down and if it was culture scene should fix it which is isn't so interesting with some of the things we've got here when we just say like we've got some facts uh, some figures here from october or june through to uh, january it's from 2020 to january 2021 and you have to have a look at that that's not the government website so if you have a look at that that looks to me about around when you know people were getting jabbed um, just have yeah. a quick look at that. And this one here is from Israel. These are, you'll see where the red uh, lines are, the arrows. You'll see where, because Israel is one of the most jabbed countries in the world. Yep. You'll see that the first jab, second jab, third jab, and fourth jab 
a month after, roughly, when they released the statistics, uh, roughly when the massive spikes have happened uh, of, of the deaths, and they've gone down again. So, I don't know. There's overwhelming evidence to suggest, not to suggest, to prove that this is just. Uh, I don't know what it is, what what they're trying to achieve, but it seems to be working in their favour because their people are still going for their fourth jab. Like they're lining up for their fourth jab. Anyway, so um, madness. I mean, we could bang on about this all day, but it's been a good day today. You got anything else, Frank? No, I just yeah, I don't know. I hope it gets better than this, I guess. I mean, you got people that have gone in there. They got the first jab, and like, oh well, I've got the first. I might as well get the second one. I might as well get the third one. I'm this far deep now. Then you got some people take the first one. But like, no, no, I just you said if I take the first one, I can do what I want. And for for me, my, my life hasn't changed too much. Look, like, there are ways around it. If you think about it, if you're a bit smart and yeah, you, know, you can live your life normally if you, well, actually, if you really want to. I'll have to say a big shout out to Mark McGowan. I have to thank you in in a way. Uh, my life's actually got a little bit better. Actually, quite a lot better. I spend more time with my family now. Yeah. I don't go to the pub very often. I still go to the pub. Fuck you again, McGowan. And um, when I want to, but at the same time, I save a lot of money. I used to gamble. I used to own horses. I used to gamble. They're gone now, so he's taking my horses away from me. Because my, my trainer wouldn't get vaccinated, so they took his licence away from him, so I lost my horses as well. Um, not that I paid a lot of money for it, worked hard for that. And then the pub is saving me, like, what did we pay? We just had a beer then, I think it cost me like two bucks for the beer. Whereas if you go to the pub, it's like eight bucks. So, yeah, we've got more, I've got rid of the people out of my life that are very negative about what we believe in, and, you know, my doctors told me not to have the, to have the jab, so... Uh, my my medical advice, and I've got my, or did have I call them friends, loose term. They hated on me for not getting the jab and told me that I should get the jab. Why should I listen to someone that's a mechanic over my doctor? That's insane. Yep. Well, it's almost like the government's got the people to fight the fight for them. Yeah. So anyway, all right. Well, uh, we'll wrap it up, and I've been talking long enough, and we can go bang on about this all day. So now that we're having a, another chat shortly. Thanks for coming in, guys. Thank Thank you very much. much. Thank you. Hello, Judy. How are you? Hi, Andrew. Fantastic. And we're once again with Jezza and Rosie. Still here. Still here. <laughs> um, I'm going to duck out again in just a moment, but um, I wanted to just um, jump in, say hello to Judy, and uh, kick this off. So, Judy, um, you've just joined the Australian Federation Party. That's fantastic. I have, yeah. I'm really pleased to be able to do that. Right. And um, what's going on? What seat are you running for? I'm standing in the Senate. Right. Okay. And when did all this occur? Because this is a very, very new development, is it? Um, fairly new. Um, Peter Harris, the founder of the party, um, he came over to Western Australia very concerned about the political situation, and that was 12 months ago. 
And so he's been going around West Australia, um, you know, recognising that the, our freedoms have completely gone and that's what drove him to do it and to have to produce a grassroots movement. And as he went around Western Australia, he realised that we, we truly needed a third alternative to Labor and Liberal. And that's what the Australian Federation Party stands for. Fantastic. And, um, guys... Did you want to say anything before I so, yeah, duck out? Just yeah, I just wanted to know a bit about your background. Like, tell us a bit about yourself and uh, like your um, practicing. Right. Yes. No. I'm. Um, my background is in public health. Okay. So I did start out as a science teacher. So you'd be a really good chief health officer. <laughs> well, oh. that's what Peter's thinking. You'd probably be better. Really? At it. Well, you'd probably be better at it than a current one. What what he what Peter's aim is is to get um, appropriate appropriately um, qualified people in the right portfolios, and so he will be looking to say um, put me in a position to look after, say, preventative health policies because I'm in public health, which um, I did my research um, into the control of, in, of infectious diseases in Australia. Yep. Um, and, and so, yeah, that, I've, I've now got that expertise because I did a PhD in that. And, um, you know, uh, over the last um, nine years of the Liberal government, they pulled out 30, $330 million um, from the preventative health uh, portfolio. Um, so this is the thing, you know, we've watched as these things have declined over the, the years that Liberals have been in part. In so these are the things that baffle me is the fact that, like the Education Department the other day, they would not accept the documents that we tried, to, right. tried to get to them. That blew my mind as well. The fact that our Chief Health Officer is highly underqualified for that job. Yes. He's actually a bioweapons inspector. Now, that's very interesting when we are now being told that this is actually a bioweapon injection. And that's from well, the lawyers. qualified then. Well, exactly. And that's you know, from the lawyers. More qualified than you think. That's from the lawyers. I'm working with um, a team of lawyers and doctors and scientists, and we have written to um, Dr. Brendan Murphy and also to DFAT, Maurice Payne in DFAT, the Defence and Foreign Affairs Department, and stating that this injection contains a bioweapon uh, because it actually uses our body to produce a toxic spike protein, and that is d uh, defined as a, a bioweapon. So interesting you should mention the Chief Health Officer's qualifications because he was the inspector in Iraq in 2003 for the bioweapons uh, that they were looking for. Well, there you wow. go. It's something I didn't know. Gosh. And Judy, um, what a revelation that would be if you ended up being our public health officer, given all the censorship that you've been through. Well, that's right. It would be a big turn of the tables, wouldn't it? <laughs> Quite an <laughs> we, exciting turn of the tables. It would. Um, because that's what's happened. Integrity has been lost from our institutions. Um, the scientific debate does no longer exists. There's been... Um, invisible barriers, political barriers that have been put up so the public doesn't realise that the peer-reviewed process of science has been destroyed over the last decades. Um, basically, uh, they've been selecting out certain science from conferences, industry-funded science. So they're promoting industry-funded science and independent science has been suppressed and censored and with the COVID issue you can see that fully across the global spectrum. We just it's, it's along with everything else. The government tells you to do something and then all of a sudden again, just do it because we said, because we're the government. Well, this is it. And I just wanted to go back to your point uh, because what we sorted last week was horrendous. I literally um, the, having to throw the documents at the door of Jumas House where our Premier works because the Chief Health Officer would not accept 
uh, anybody going in to present him with the documents and none of the security guards would actually take them in for us. And so we, we've got the video of them throwing them at the door of Juma's house. Now, this doesn't surprise me. And by the way, it also happened at the um, Minister for Education's office last week as well. And we've got the video of that. But you see, I was fighting against the no jab, no play in 2019. And we did the same thing in 2019. But because uh, we were just parents uh, fighting this issue and against a media that denigrated us all with labels, um, then we didn't have a voice. And so when that happened to us in 2019, nobody saw it. It was just myself and, uh, and many parents at the door of Juma's house. And again, even then, they weren't accepting the public documents. We, we were told we would have to post those. Um, so the public's voice has been removed from our parliament mm. for over a decade now. And I, I don't know, sorry, Andrew. If I, was, if I had four, five, ten thousand people at my doorstep and they were wanting to talk to me, I think I'd go out and see what they wanted mm. and have a chat. Well, they have been elected by the people to represent them in exactly, the parliament. Exactly, that's what I'm getting at. And yeah. um, just to tell you how bad it was in 2019, we had a petition that had a thousand or more signatures on it of parents uh, who, who didn't want the no jab, no um, play brought into Western Australia, that mandate that came in. Um, and neither the Liberals, Labor or Greens would table that petition for the people. And in the end, um, a One Nation um, member of parliament tabled it for us, but it was uh, immediately followed by a promotion of the flu vaccine in the parliament to all the members of parliament. And we watched as not a single, over the six days that that, that um, policy was debated in West Australian parliament, only six days, and not a single politician stood up for choice in medication um, in our West Australian Parliament, which is the public's interest in that policy. So we, our voice has been removed for a long time. Yeah. One of the things that I found really interesting, and I keep saying, I, I find this whole thing fascinating because it's so odd. It's like a but, big drag joke. But Mr McGowan started calling me an anti-vaxxer, so... I started looking into it, and guess what he's achieved? If I had any more children, they would never be vaccinated. Mm. I was just thinking the exact same thing when, when, the, when Dr right. Judy was talking. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever have another vaccine. Even no. with the flu, I've had it once, the flu vaccine, and even then I got sick. So can you explain that to me, why that would happen? Mm. Because my doctor said I must have been sick before I had the vaccine. So why would I, why would I receive, uh, be sick all of a sudden? The vaccines um, suppress your immune system. Um, so what they do is they, they um, uh, target your immune system to produce antibodies to a specific antigen. And so that means that, you're, that in young children that their body systems aren't as um, able to fight off the common colds and viruses that they get exposed to all the time. And so it does have a, a, um, an effect of depressing the immune system. And so, and, and that's the thing, many vaccinated children are getting the disease that they're, they're vaccinated against, but that's never been reported. Mm. So you see, all of the people that have been fighting this a long time, and let me tell you, this, this is parents fighting a, 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 the children's health movement, and it's the Murdoch media that has labelled us parents who are questioning the science as anti-vaxxers. So see? why are people not following you, listening to a doctor, and we just had another doctor in here a minute ago, why are people not following what the doctors are saying and listening to our government and, and 
I won't say the overwhelming majority, but they because the government numbers are fudged. But there are a lot of people li- listening to the government. Okay, so it's a complex web we've got here. Okay, so what I was just saying was that um, the the media, the mainstream corporate sponsored media, is the one that came up with the term anti-vaxxer. Mm. Now, what that does is by denigrating and stigmatising parents who are questioning science, they're the critical thinkers. We're we're the ones that have done the research. So you see, they've dismissed the people that are making the science. Um, uh, valid because because debate you need debate on science to make it valid and so the people that are questioning science are being dismissed simply as anti-vaxxers with this derogatory label and that prevents the public from thinking for themselves you see they very cleverly with one word prevented people thinking for themselves all of a sudden oh no I'm pro-vaccine because people simply don't want to be an anti-vaxxer because you lose Mm. your friends uh, because of that word when in actual fact this is the children's health movement. So we as parents who've been fighting this for decades, we were thrilled when COVID came along because the kids had been lost with the no jab, no pay and play five years ago. And so, and we knew that it was only an event like COVID that would put the spotlight on the doctors and force the doctors to now act with integrity. Now, there's one more step before they can fully do that. They can do that and they are doing it now. Uh, many doctors are stepping out and, and um, of, of course recognising the fundamental tenet of medicine, which is that genetics determines your outcome whenever you're given a drug, so you can't mandate a drug for the whole population. Uh, But doctors can't speak up on that because the government is gagging doctors through their regulatory boards. Okay, The Australian Health Practitioners Regulatory Board is controlled by the government. So now doctors are working for the government's best interests. So they're, they're required to promote government health policy and not the patient's best interest. So that's what's happened. We, we have a corrupt government that's now uh, taken over the control of medical knowledge and doctors have allowed this to happen. They're actually paid to give injections, these vaccines, and uh, this has kept them in the system um, and they haven't been able to speak out because they're also labelled as anti-vaxxers and they can be de- deregistered on that label. It's a $100,000 fine, I believe, something around that. That's right. But you see, that's not science. You see, people, there's no, um, that's um, a culture of bullying and intimidation. So we've gone back to medieval times here. So why would I go and see my doctor, sorry, why would I go and see my doctor now that I know what I know? And he's told me, he's the one that told me not to get the vaccination vaccine so why would i go back and see him when he won't give me a medical exemption he's acting on the interests of the government the government Thank that's you. correct 100%. and so we this is a real problem but it's up to the parents now to put the spotlight on the doctors and educate them see they've been educated with selective information so many of them don't know all of that you know now because we're on these groups and get and getting this information so every one of us can now educate our own doctors and say they will be complicit in genocide because people are, are genetically predisposed to these chronic illnesses and deaths that are happening. And, and that's, that's their basic science. So it's not rocket science. And if we, every person needs to re-educate their own doctors and say to them they can jump out now, they can reach out to the COVID medical network, which is the Australian doctors speaking up against the regulatory board. Um, Judy, I've got a question that... Um I hope I'm not biting off more than I can chew with this one, but uh, is there an alternative technology to the current vaccine technology? Because as we've just been discussing, there are a lot of flaws and issues around the current technology. 
Um, and for anyone who doesn't understand, I'm sure you can explain the, the current technology to them. And I'm not talking about the mRNA thing. That's a whole other issue. But traditional vaccines, is there an alternative? Well, you see, the traditional vaccines um, haven't... Many, many of them were put on the schedule after 1986, and that was a key date because they removed um, liability from the pharmaceutical companies mm. for any drug that they called a vaccine. So I'd like to say that, to let you know, that there's many drugs that have now been put on that schedule that aren't actually proven to be vaccines, right? They're not proven to be either safe or effective because the government after 1986, one, didn't have to prove they were effective, uh, sorry, safe, but two... They also haven't proved that they create herd immunity. And um, that would that's actually easy to prove if, if they had um, looked at the statistics, transparent statistics of the number of vaccinated and unvaccinated cases of this disease that we're getting. But you'll note that the media never provides the vaccinated and unvaccinated status of traditional diseases, okay? And, and, and now... That, that terminology isn't relevant with the COVID injections, and I'll tell you why. It's no good looking at the unvaccinated and vaccinated status of cases and deaths that are occurring now with COVID because the CDC changed the definition of a vaccine. Mm. Okay, so this is really critical. The only way that you will be able to determine the um, harm that's being caused by these injections is if you looked at the jabbed versus the unjabbed. Okay, so every person in Australia needs to demand from their health department or from doctors what was the jabbed status of that death that occurred after the injection was given? We want jabbed versus unjabbed because they have changed the definition of vaccine so that a person's not considered vaccinated now until 14 days after that jab was given. And during that time, many people are reacting in that 14 days and that's all being put down as an, an unvaccinated person. I just want to say on that, with the vaccination status, uh, you are considered a COVID death is it 28 days unless that's changed, up to 28 days after receiving your your jab. But if you have an adverse reaction, you're only accounted for 48 hours. That's actually, I don't know if that's, that's changed. That's correct. Yeah. That is absolutely correct. They're not actually monitoring any of the medium or long-term uh, side effects of that drug that's being given. So it is about 48 hours, maybe a little bit longer, um, but certainly not, um, you know, weeks and months. And every doctor will tell you that after any drug that's given, any injection, the side effects come out months and years later. So you're looking at autoimmune diseases, you're looking at cancers, and all of these things have skyrocketed in our population since we used multiple vaccines in, in humans. That's another thing too, With like I said to uh, Dr Mark before, that was at, uh, at 31st of January this year, it's come out that there was 1% mortality rate roughly, and uh, in the government documents that I've got off their website, it says that it works out that only 8.6% of that 1% is actually directly to COVID. This is correct, and I'll tell you there's a lot of problem with all the statistics that you're getting, um, but what, what was known after 2020 around the world in every country... The deaths to COVID were no greater than a normal... The, they were within the range of a normal flu year in yeah. every country, okay? Yeah. Um, and, and it was always in the um, over 70 or over 65, the elderly population with comorbidity, and we know that 
these were the pe these people when when they had died previously, so prior to 2020, the death certificate uh, was required to have their comorbidity as the primary cause, so their heart disease or diabetes or strokes, and that the the flu was always the secondary cause. But what they did in 2020 was to reverse the reporting of deaths, so that flu or COVID became the primary cause and the comorbidity was the secondary so cause. So dementia is one of the yes. leading causes of deaths in Australia at the moment. Um, why would that be considered to exacerbate the, the uh, COVID? Why would that make you, you die from dementia? Um, What's the connection? Yeah. Look, I'm not a medical doctor. I'm public health. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. An academic, obviously. Well, yeah. no, I'm public health. So yes. Public health is different to medicine. And, and that's why I've, my perspective... But it baffles me. That's Those sort of questions come hit my mind constantly is... Yeah, I have hundreds of questions like that I want answered, and we're not getting them. Well, and, and I can tell you that um, you know when people have neurological um, diseases, uh, if you if you get exposed to these flu viruses or coronaviruses, uh, you're more that, that um, neurological damage will be exacerbated by flu viruses, or even an injection of a vaccine can exacerbate. That's where I was going with it. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and, and that that's stated in the medical literature. I know that. So I'm not sure if people know how vaccines work but uh, every time I've had a vaccine I'm under the belief that I will not catch that disease so when you were saying before about the numbers and you need you know with the vaccinated and the unvaccinated shouldn't all the people that are dying from COVID all be unvaxxed that's yes. correct but You'd guess what so. the majority are jabbed but I'm, everybody, I'm not going to use every, the word vaxxed actually but, yeah but everybody says well I'm vaxxed I'm just not, I'm no, just no, not no. COVID vaxxed no 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 you're jabbed because it's not a vaccine okay no I'm not jabbed I'm, I'm vaccinated. I've have, I've have my tetanus shots. And oh, all you're that, talking right? about the other. Yes, I am vaccinated. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, well, but, yes. Sorry. Well, I I just want to make the point with this new COVID injection. The word vaccine isn't appropriate for it. It's it's been well established. The trial drug. It was. It's called gene therapy, which is actually genetic engineering in humans. We know that it's messenger RNA, and we also know that in the um, in other in, um, injections, they're they're, they're creating the spike protein, which is a synthetically produced spike protein in those injections. Uh, so it's not um, a vaccine under any definition because it doesn't contain any part of the natural virus weakened or dead so that, that, so that our body can produce antibodies specific to a disease. Okay, it doesn't have any of that in there. The spike protein is a general um, spike protein to the coronavirus family. And um, it's also genetically engineered. It's not natural, okay? It's a recombinant spike protein. So there's nothing, nat no natural virus in the, um, or natural part of a virus in the, in the injection. So you, you got anything to add to that, Rosie? Not at this stage. Okay, well, I thought you were waiting there, you're champing at the bit. I've got something mm. I'd like to say, Judy. Something that drives me crazy about the pharmaceutical industry is that uh, a lot of people don't get that quite clearly and understandably from the vaccine company or the pharmaceutical company side, it's not in their best interest to make anyone better. It's a good good um, uh, model, isn't it? It is. It's an, <laughs> an amazing model. model. A good business model. And, and you know, it, it baffles me that um, that pure common sense is not understood by the general public. Good point. And mm. I can ex give you a little bit of an insight into how that's happened. So this word vaccine, 
everybody's been indoctrinated for 30 years with mm. the word vaccine and that's since since the 1986 remember that date because that's when Ronald Reagan signed off and gave the pharmaceutical companies indemnity for any drug they called a vaccine so for 30 years the media has promoted this dr these drugs as being having rare side effects and if a media doesn't present the adverse events in the correct proportion that they're getting, like all the chronic illnesses that come out months and years later, then people just think they don't happen. And so, so they use the word rare to make you think it's, it's it, this is again is What spin. about the ivermectin? Like that's been around for 30 years. Can I just explain? Sorry. Yeah, because um, Andrew wanted to know why um, the doctors... Um, so basically, not just have, has the media been putting um, vaccines, giving you a false impression of what a vaccine is, that's actually a drug that does have side effects, um, but that you're not getting that um, impression, but also the doctor's reputations have been enhanced in the media. And um, we're never told of the fact that medical interventions, a third of deaths in hospitals are a result of medical interventions, iatrogenic deaths, so medic, you know, medications, and um, but that, that's a third of all deaths. And, and this is the thing, the media is responsible for the reputation that doctors have. They, they've glorified doctors to the point where people, 80% of the public trust their doctors, the majority of the public trust their doctors. And, that's, and the same thing has happened with that word vaccine. You know, they've spun that a trust false is going illusion fast. about the word vaccine. They're literally drugs and we need to look for the evidence of the risk-benefit equation before you suggest that, they're, that the um, benefits outweigh the risks. So one of the things that I found really interesting was looking at the statistics from the Australian Bureau of Statistics, where in 2020 deaths went down. And I suggest that's because people weren't going into hospital, so doctors weren't killing them. I don't trust my doctor anymore. This is it. And see, that's, that's the point we've reached because of the conflicts of interest in, doc, in the uh, medical system within the advisory boards in government right across the board. There's a whole web of conflicts of interest. I've stopped taking Panadol and Nerofen because I don't trust what's in that anymore. That's right. And so this is where we, we know that this will um, – the integrity will come back because people no longer trust their doctors because, of course, coercion isn't appropriate. That's not promoting health in the population. So people have now lost the trust and that's why it's just going to be – we have to be patient while the doctors recognise that we no longer want to go and get their advice and it's because also remember that the government is now controlling medical knowledge and that's why we don't trust them either because they can't act in our yeah. best interest so any longer. What can you say to the people like me that – have had you know blindly follow the government for all my life, and I haven't really questioned anything until my doctor said not to get this vaccine or this jab or whatever you want to call it. I've just gone wow in the last uh, two, a year and a half, two years. I've just gone wow, and this is, can't be true. So, and I sat at home for a long time thinking I'm in this by myself. Our family's so alone, and we were feeling crushed, def deflated. And there's so many other people out there like that. What can you say to say to those people? We're trying to get them more and more people to the rallies like today, and they just are not aware of what's going on. That's right. It is so evil because now this is um, a collaboration. The government updates the public with false statistics and all businesses and institutions every day with an email. An email update comes down to all businesses in, across Australia um, with this false information about the statistics on COVID and never talking about the adverse events that are happening to these injections and the deaths. And then the media 
adds to that that spin. And so that for anyone that doesn't research it for themselves, and there's a lot of people because um, science can sound like science, right? And, and that's what's happened. The, the, it's, it's actually pseudoscience and it, it takes someone who has actually researched the control of infectious diseases uh, to recognise that everything that they did for you, all these directives were the opposite of how you promote health in the population. But to someone that hasn't got that background, it sounds like science and the media was able to make you fearful of that disease. So it's not Correct. your fault. It's actually not your fault. It's the evil that this is driven by through the world elite, the world elites, etc., coming through our governments. But you're right, um, you know, we're at a really uh, critical point for humanity. Uh, this is an attack spiritually and physically on so humans. How do we, so how do we... How do we get our, clo our friends that are still in that narrative? It's, it's very hard, but... Um, what the, the events like the rally today are so important, and and um, that this you will have heard the term mass formation, and that's what the government used in terms of this vaccine because they'd made the public so fearful. Uh, they provided a solution and. The media was able to control them uh, th through that false narrative, and that's called mass formation. People were happy to, uh, you know, just be the fear would go because they could um, follow that action. Well, we're going to do the same, right? Because the media, the reason we're so suppressed is because is because they're worried about us creating mass formation. Once people see us, because people are recognising now that it, there's something a bit smelly about what the government's doing. The trouble I'm finding, though, with people recognising, I have some friends that have uh, a triple jabbed. I think I've got one that uh, is quadruple jabbed, and I'm thinking to myself, he's dead set against mandates, doesn't want the vaccine, but he still keeps taking it. Yeah, because it's the easier option, okay? Yeah. Because, you know, let's face it, uh, he doesn't have to worry. He gets the, the jab and life just continues as normal around him. Ah, but it doesn't. No, no, it's complete opposite. You're quite right, but he hasn't. He's not. They're not seeing that. You see, yeah. because the media rare side effects. You yeah, know, because they're allowed to go to the pub and we're not. So they correct. think that they're special that's and we're. Right. Oh. So that again, there's evil because the government is ripping uh, the fabric of people's lives out from under them if they don't get an injection. And so, to anyone out there that's listening illegal. to this, and we want to say, if you have had enough, you're not alone, and we need you to to say, We've, I've had enough and come and join us. That's right. And the way that we will grow is by people seeing the rallies and so we need to do them more often during the weekdays now through the streets of, of Perth and that's what we will be doing. We've got 10 days of unity coming up. That's it. It's so, going to be perfect for yep. mass, mass formation. And but and as we do that, all of these visual messages, because they've closed their minds to the science, you want visual messages. So T-shirts with the, the message, you know, I've got this one unjabbed, not unvaccinated, because people need to change the language of the debate now. It's not a vaccine. So um, have you heard about the pro-choice councils movement? Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah so it's brilliant. I, Very good. I did a presentation for that in the city of Mandra. So good. I was sitting at the front and as every speaker stood up and the stories got more horrifying as to the effects in the community of the vaccine mandates, the mayor was literally, you know, gobsmacked. Um, by the time I got up and I only touched on just the human rights thing. I mean, there's a lot of other laws that can, you know, absolutely show that they're not reasonable and they're not legal. That's they're not it. enforceable. And... Um, the city of Mandra actually gave us so much time. They put us out on an oval. They listened to us. And they are, I, I believe they're now 
other councils are phoning them before they have their special electors meetings. And some of the councils that were really anti before, because other mayors have sort of had a bit of a chat to them and said, you don't know what's happening in your own locality. You've got to listen to the people. You know, we're elected by the people and we don't have apartheid and segregation. When you had that, people had their own facilities. The unvaxxed have been taken out of society. This is right, and, and we're being taken out. Um, literally, um, we're non-persons now because our, our friends and family are so in the narrative, they're not even seeing us being removed, but they, they won't enter into the debate because they don't, they, they're just one, they've, they've fallen for this idea that there is a, a drug that you can take that doesn't have side effects and, and therefore what's your problem, you know, so they, they don't know what to say to us. So it is the most incredible thing that's happening and those um, council meetings are brilliant. But you've got to remember that the government, when they removed the need to prove that a drug was safe, Right, so they can put these drugs up there, but they've reversed the onus of proof of safety, which means that we that's can provide correct, yeah. all the evidence in the world, and they're just ignoring it. And that's what they've done for thirty years. They ignore it, and then they bring out their own evidence and and say that's how it is. So those councillors at this point are still bought as well, but but. And that's why these meetings are so important because they're hearing the people now and they're going to have real problems if we keep up that pressure. But they've been left alone for so long. So what I wanted to ask you, Rosie, was sorry, was there at at your meeting, we we had one in Mundaring and there was a lady actually stood up against us and we sat there all night listening for people wanted duck signs. Uh, more duck crossings. They wanted cyclist signs to remind the cyclists to keep left or to give way to pedestrians and stuff like that. And they, this was all overwhelmingly voted in. When it came time for us, us uh, non-citizens, these very same people that put these motions forward for the ducks and for the cyclist signs voted against us. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, what the hell? That's See, right. Um, They've already been got at with, with information and, and their reputations, yeah. all of these things are coming into it. There's hidden yeah. way so things that are coming into what, it. Your question earlier was, well, what do we do? How, how do we break through their willful blindness or whatever it is? And the way that you do it, and I'm pretty sure it happened at the city of Mandra, is you break the spell by confronting them with the painful truths. And because... We didn't know what was going to come out, or I didn't know. I've just been asked, oh, you know, you've done this really brilliant thing, come up and tell them about it. So as each speaker got up and said, this is the effect on me, my business, my life, my family, and suddenly you had more than five. Mm. They reckon it takes about five people to question your narrative before you start questioning it yourself. Because until you hit about five, you can absolutely discount it because it's an aberration, it's not real, you're exaggerating. But when people stand up one after the other and tell you what's really going on, it's it, incredibly it breaks through. It well, that's, the trouble with, that's the trouble with what I'm finding is most people are finding, feeling like when we had our council meeting, most the people that I met at the council meeting come and said, come up to me and said, we had no idea there were other people. We've been sitting at home crying that's our right, eyes out. That's right. And, and like single mothers were coming up to me and saying, 
we felt so alone. And I'm worried about the mental health of those people. Oh, absolutely. And, and all our mental health being removed from society, it is affecting people all the time. And, and masking the kids, another thing, is masking the kids. Yeah. So I've never read so many. I've never read so many studies. The trouble that what most people don't realise is masking our kids, the hard part's not masking them and keeping the mask on. The hard part is getting the mask off them later on and, and getting them their self-confidence back because they're just going to use that as a shield from society for the rest of their life. And when you take that off them, they're going to have so, such a high anxiety level, it's going to cause other issues. Well, that's right. And I'd just like to finish off actually by pointing out that that is actually the crux of what, what has happened over two years. They've literally turned a healthy person into a case of disease, even though you've got no symptoms. And so everybody is now frightened of their fellow human being and thinks they need to mask up for someone that doesn't have symptoms. Now, that is what has to be reversed. Anxiety, that, depression, that is, eating disorders? Everything is the opposite to how we should be treating and looking after ourselves and promoting health. But the really important thing is these antigen tests that they're giving and also the PCR tests do not diagnose disease. All right? They are not telling you anything about a virus. Even if you've got the viruses in you, it doesn't mean you'll ever get disease. Yeah. And, that, and that is the critical thing. Healthy people should not be tested and healthy people should not be masking up because you're ruining your health every minute you've got that mask on your face. We are healthy people until we have symptoms and that's what has to be reversed um, uh, to, to actually get back to normality. Cool. All right. Well, thanks very much for having us coming in and having a chat. That was really informative. Great. Thank you, Appreciate Judy. it. it we'll have you have you again soon, and hopefully we get a lot of followers with all the expert advice that we're getting. So, uh, fantastic. Our, our onboard yeah. lawyer. Thank you very good. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks.